Blog Talk Radio. on the undercard that we don't normally get and there's six all included six all six six of them included not on the pay-per-view card four on the pay-per-view card one on free fox and one on fs1 like i said it's a pretty damn good card you know you cannot like the the, the price of the pay-per-view or whatever you know it would have been nice if they halved it like they did earlier this year but we're going to dig into this card fairly deeply of course we like to start in the ring which is exactly where we'll start the show with pedraza and comey um fighting to a draw was it a disputed draw i don't think so i was i was okay with the draw i could see either guy winning if you look at how the fight started look at how it closed yada 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 we will get into that plus some pretty quick one-sided uh pretty much highlight real knockouts though on the undercard so we'll talk you know the espn stuff and then we'll break down preview and predict andy ruiz versus luis ortiz a lot of people think this is you know a fight to get to deontay wilder assuming wilder isn't a shell of himself and helenius doesn't pull what would be a very large upset. I think it's like five or six to one. Um, and then, like I said, we'll, we'll break down some of these. You know, there's some real prospect fights. Jose Valenzuela and Joey Spencer are in real step-up, solid, you know, prospects fights. Uh, Aline takes on a guy that not a lot of people know in Pania, but he's a pretty good fighter. That This is going to be an interesting fight. Isak Cruz returns in what should be an all-action fight against uh, a pretty solid dude 
in Eduardo Ramirez. I'm not saying that's a great matchup by any stretch. It's not like, you know, top five against top five or something like that, but it will be entertaining. And then the Abner Mares, you know, I, I have to admit, I'm biased towards Abner Mares. You know, I, I, he's like one of my favorite fighters from this last generation. This one kind of threw me for a loop, uh, him returning. Uh, Miguel Flores isn't some sort of chump. I mean, no boxer is that fight, you know, that actually has a pro career or whatever, but it's not an easy fight to come back to. It makes a lot of sense to come back on this level, but you just don't know what you're going to get. So that kind of throws me for a loop. Then we do have plenty of fight news to go over. We do have some purse updates with the Buati Pascal and Zapata Ramirez. Um, and, you know, there are more rumors swirling about Spence Crawford. Some people think that they're going to announce it this week or this weekend. I mean, it's already Wednesday, so they'll probably get on top of it. But I'm not sure if they'd, you know, it'd have to be a, well, I shouldn't say have to, but it'd probably have to be a Fox fight. You know what I mean? And not to say that Fox, you know, I mean, they did get Pacquiao Spence last year. Obviously, that turned into Ugas, but I would assume that, I don't know. I just don't know if that's how that would go down. But a lot of people are anticipating an announcement this weekend. And I know the PBC does business with Fox and Showtime. Uh, this last, Well, since COVID, Showtime is definitely uh, the main distributor for the PBC. Um, so, I don't know. That's out there. Hey, I don't give a shit when they announce it. I just want it to happen, right? Um, and, you know, we've been talking about pay-per-views a lot this year. Let's be honest. We've been hit by a lot of them. Now, we got this this summer that gave us a little break, right? June, July, August, no pay-per-views or, I mean, I guess we got that Kevin Farmer pay-per-view that never actually happened. Um, you know, there's some under, I guess the KSI was a pay-per-view technically, what, a $10 pay-per-view or something on the zone with your subscription. But I'm talking about, you know, ESPN or Fox or a Canelo DAZN pay-per-view that type of thing. We've gotten hit up this year. There's no doubt about it. We talked about, you know, by mid-April, there was uh, three in four weeks, right? Because it was, yep, it was Spence Ugas, uh, Fury White, and then a, a week off, and then Canelo Biffle. And then, what, three weeks later or something like that, it was Tank against Roley. So that's four in a matter of, like, less than two months. Um, so we did get a little break, but now we're going to get hit up. You assume it should be about at minimum five in the next four months, two in September, Wilder Hellenius, Spence fighting somebody, if it, even if it's not Crawford, and then you assume Tank would be involved in that too. So there's been a lot of talk about pay-per-views this year especially, and you know, especially when you have Thurman and Barrios on pay-per-view. Um, even some of these secondary twenty, thirty, forty dollar pay per views that Don King put out, or like I said, Triller was going to put out, just not pay per view worthy stuff. Obviously, even uh, the first one of the year, the the Ortiz and Martin, and I know they half priced that one, but still, dude, that wasn't a worthy main event. There's just no way around it. Now, was the card fun? I think there were seven fights, including the Fox fights. Yeah, it was one of the best cards of the year. But, you know, 
enough is enough sometimes, right? And we know that HBO, I think their peak was 10, if I remember correctly. I think 10 of them. I don't think they got to 12, maybe 10 or something like that, 10 or 12. Um, and the UFC does a monthly. I remember they've done the, you know, three in a matter of two months before, not quite four that we got earlier this year. But I just think that it's a good topic. There's a good pay-per-view segment where I dig into pay-per-views from the 2000s, even in the 90s. And, you know, this is not a new thing. It's new recently, but a a lot of people kind of, it's kind of like they romanticize the past when it comes to pay-per-view. And if you've followed the sport pretty closely for the last 20, 30 years, or even 15 to 20, you know that there is some, there's been some bullshit main events on pay-per-view, right? Or even when you're building a star, um, like a ticket seller, like Miguel Cotto. Was a, you could tell he was a ticket seller early, but he did a, a fight with uh, Jennings, for instance, that did really little on pay-per-view. My point is a lot of times people think like, oh, it's just pay-per-view. We've never had this, these pay-per-views this many pay-per-views in one year or we, you know, and I don't want this many pay-per-views in a year, 10 to 12 or whatever it is, um, is too many, right? I'm not defending it. That's for sure. And I've been choosy, um, in recent years, but just in general this year, I've been choosy. Okay. I, I will go after that. I will, you know, like this weekend, Andy Ruiz, you know, is a, is a somewhat popular fighter. I'm not saying this gate's going to do, two or three million or nothing like that. But, you know, that, that win that he got over Joshua did blow up his name here. And, and so, you know, I have people that want to watch that fight, you know, so it's easier to chip in or you go to the movie theater, you know, like I did for so many. Um, in fact, I'm going to go to Canelo and Triple G. I've seen all three in the movie theater with different friends. So, like, I get everybody's, you know, like, I, I just always look at it, each pay-per-view, I just judge on its own. And not just the main event, the undercard as well. Um, but if you're going to have Ruiz and Ortiz in a main event, full price, then you better hook up the card. And, but yeah, I, wrote, I jotted down some notes, and, you know, I really want to do the segment. I'm not sure if John can do the segment this week. He's a little busy tonight. So I will, I'll I'll probably hold off on it if not. But like I said, I see these comments under somebody talking about pay-per-view, like a media member, right? And I see these comments like, oh, HBO would never have a pay-per-view like that. Or Top Rank would never have a pay-per-view like that. Or, you know, whatever. Don King wouldn't have a, you know, I mean, he had a bullshit pay-per-view this year. Um, And don't get me wrong, Don King used to stack. When When you talk about stacked undercards, obviously, there's one guy that stands out when it comes to that for a while. But when you look back at my point is these people will make these comments, and some, you know, on podcasts or whatever, YouTube channels and on boxing Twitter, they'll, they'll talk about like, oh, HBO would never, this would never happen in the past. You know, basically kind of aligning the pay-per-view numbers now with like just talking, if you're not doing Mayweather and Pacquiao or Oscar numbers, they wouldn't be on paper. You know, and, and that's bullshit. I mean, even Oscar has a pay-per-view, two of them under 300000 I guess that's my point. The 300, like, people think, and some of these were great fights that are under 
250 or 200,000 shit. Both uh, Kovalev and Ward were great fights. Golovkin Jacobs was a really damn good fight. Um, and those all came under 200,000 in the pay-per-view. So my point is this is nothing new. I'm not saying it's overly healthy for the sport or anything like that, but this is nothing new. And, and when you have like some of the top media members liking or retweeting a comment like that, like, Oh, this would never happen in the past. Basically like if the, if the pay-per-view wasn't going to do 300,000, they wouldn't put it on pay-per-view and that's bullshit. You know what I mean? That's completely bullshit. And like I said, some people like to romanticize uh, the past and, when you hear some of these names and then the numbers, it's going to be a head-scratcher. And some of them, you're like, oh, that's right. I did rent that one, or, or I passed on that one, but I forgot that was on pay-per-view. And, and there's plenty of them that I got news for you. did under 200000 under 150000 under 100000 So it's kind of interesting to dig in the past of pay-per-views and be like, oh, wow. Yeah, I remember that one. I always bring up the Tommy Gunn and Roy Jones Jr., you know, or even Roy Jones and B-Hop. When, when the, on the on the rematch when it took them so long, remember they're doing the sixty forty and all that. Um, but yeah, it's kind of an interesting segment. I hope that John can make it tonight because I really would like to talk talk it through with him. But uh, it, it's going to come soon. I know people have been kind of either debating with me, saying no, dude, you know, pay-per-views in the past when even anything under three hundred thousand was a massive failure and they didn't they just didn't do them you know hbo had a much larger budget and you know at one time at the turn of the century um yeah hbo did have a hundred million dollar budget but as that dwindled and as the pay-per-views added up it did mess up stuff so anyway i just i think it's a good segment just because we we have that pay-per-view topic a lot going on i've been trying to kind of duck it a little bit um just because, you know, I don't want to just fucking talk about that shit. You know what I mean? Uh, but I have I have been getting some messages lately, kind of either pro or con or whatever, just saying it's an interesting thing. I, I You know, I'm, I'm interested in the topic and whatnot. Um, however, um, we're going to have to get into the ring. I mean, let's get into the ring real quick. Like, hang on for a second. Man, what the hell? The sheet of paper just completely flung off on the ground, and I'm trying to pick it up without losing the mic on that. Anyway, if this is your first time listening, sorry about that, to the Rope Dope Radio Podcast, welcome. It streams live right here on blogtalkradio.com forward slash Rope Dope Radio. You don't have to go to Blog Talk and Rope Dope to listen to the show um, or download the show or, or listen to the browser. You can find it here. The platform on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Player FM, TuneIn, Spricker, Stitcher, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts. While you're at it, why don't you head on over to the GruelingTruth.com. And one more thing, if you're thinking about cutting the cord or you're happy, not quite happy, I got something for you. It's called Direct TV Stream. It's the best of live TV and on demand on all your favorite screens. No annual service or, or uh, hidden fees. No annual uh, service contract or hidden fees. Stream anywhere, anytime. And, you know, right now, for a limited time, for two months, $49.99 is the start, okay? That's where the, 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 the plans start. Um, that'll also include three months of Showtime, Stars, Epics, and Cinemax, 
which is $117 value for three months. You get that. You should check it out. It's called Direct TV Stream. Okay. So, like I said, we, we like to start in the ring, right? That's usually where we like to start. So that's where we will begin. Um, man, there's a bunch of – it's funny because my ad that I usually read, uh, there's like a new pricing to it. So I, I, I kind of just – hope I got that right. I kind of just, the piece of paper is like out of reach. There's multiple papers that just went, oh boy. Anyway, let's get to it. So on ESPN, Pedraza and Comey fought to a draw. Um, and like I said off the top, I, I do think it was legit. Like I think a, a legit draw. I really do. Because I had Comey winning the first three rounds, although like the third round was, was close, you know. But to me, um, he just landed the better shots. Um, there was like in the second round, he landed a really nice, uh, double left hook, the jabs with the right hands, Pedraza, you know, late in first round had some nice lands. Like I said, third round was close, but I didn't think he won those rounds. However, the next three, I would favor Pedraza. The fourth round was a little bit of a slow round. Um, but Pedraza started getting to the body with his jab, and, and I liked what he did to the body a whole lot. Um, the sixth round was close. So what I say, the, the, the third and the sixth, those are close rounds. You know, Those are definitely cl- close rounds. Um, Pedraza had, a, with maybe like 50 seconds left, a really nice light left hand. Comey got cut in that round. I think it on his right eye, if I remember. He closed really well, you know, with the right right uh, hook, I believe, in a left hand. Um, but I gave – I leaned Pedraza on that one, but that was close. The seventh round, I thought Pedraza kept it going. Comey got a good start, landed some big right hands. But Pedraza, his left hand, he kind of just won the rest of the round for me. Uh, eighth round – Better work rate, a little bit more at range, too, for Comey in that eighth round. I gave it to him. Ninth round, left hands to the body, combinations to the head and body, especially the last part of the ninth round for Pedraza. I gave it to Pedraza. And then I thought overall, with better shots, better lands, uh, that Comey, uh, you know, close better. So 5 5, 5 4 1 Comey, 5 4 1 Pedraza. Like I said, I was okay with the with the combination stuff. You know, I really was. Uh, did I just say the combination? Man, I am. I am. My mind is someplace else. Okay. Um, I was okay with the draw though. I, I really didn't didn't mind it at all. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing this fight again. I, I do wonder since they didn't get a clean winner, what they're gonna do. You know what I mean? Because it doesn't. Uh, I mean, I suppose that. I mean, how much higher does it move you up, you know, in, in the sanctioning stuff? I know both of them are kind of lingering for that big fight. I don't, I don't know if they want to run it back, you know what I mean? And it wasn't like a great fight or anything where it's like, this is a must-see. It was good, no doubt. Um, but it was definitely competitive. It was definitely competitive. Fun, fun fight there. Um and then the other card, it wasn't much. You know what I mean? Uh, Jared Anderson came out with a st- uh, steady jab. 
left hand to the body in a hard left hand scores a knockdown. Well, actually, um, yeah, it was a knockdown first, and then the that was a second round knockdown. Yes, second round knockout. What am I saying? Yeah, it was a left hand to the body, and then a hard left. Boom, finished it. Looked good and, and very, you know, Rokan and there wasn't much there in that fight. Same with the Richard Torres. I mean, 20 seconds into the first round, you know, he lands a left hand, um, lands another left hand, and he was kind of frozen up against the ropes and then lands another one. And, you know, actually, there was a potential for at least a point deducted, if not a DQ, and I'd say point deducted more, but it was potential on the second left hand early in the, on the first knockdown because he hit him when he was clearly on the ground. Um, but, you know, it's rare that that would happen. But then he Torres landed another left, and I think it was a, a, a big right hook. And just, oh, boy, went face first. He was done. It was a highlight, you know, really nice knockouts, but as far as any kind of two-way stuff, not so much. You know what I mean? Not so much in that. Um, but at least the, we did get a good uh, main event. Now the KSI I did not buy the pay per view. I think it was only ten bucks though. So it's not like they were doing thirty or fifty or seventy five, but I just didn't have any interest in it. Um I get the gimmick of fighting two guys in one night. I mean, how many times have we seen you know, a fighter or heard a fighter say Actually, Tyson Fury just said that. I beat him on the, you know, I beat him both in the same night. And, you know, that type of thing. So, I get the shtick, but I did see the highlights. And I'll be honest with you, like, these dudes didn't belong in the ring with him. And I, you got to start someplace, although he's had exhibitions before. Is, it, was this his, is this an exhibition, or was this a pro fight? That first dude, I mean, this he, if you if you were to keep matching KSI with this type of level, he's going to hurt somebody. Like somebody's going to get hurt. The the second guy, the like the long lanky dude, he kept getting hit. Who when you see size wise, you're like, oh wow, KSI could kill this dude. But he kept he kept saying he got hit in the back of the head, and then finally he got knocked down. It is what it is. But the first dude was spinning all around, and it, it was bad, dude. These fights shouldn't have happened, if we're being honest. You know what I mean? These are like – and let me know. Was this an exhibition, or do they count as a pro – is this a pro fight? I know they didn't have headgear on, but I, I don't know that. So I saw that. But the thing is, KSI and Jake Paul is a good fight for what – you know, that one sells. And, and we are hearing rumors that – Potentially, that could be next year uh, in in the UK. Um, and and I, when I hear about that fight, I go, all right, that's a little bit – that makes more sense. And it makes more sense for what those guys are trying to accomplish too because both those guys, the following that they have would be something there. You know what I mean? That would be an interesting fight because it's like – it's the levels thing. You know what I mean? And it's not headgear, big, big gloves. So that would be interesting, but we do. I will talk a little bit later about the rumored Anderson Silva 
um, in Jake Paul, which I think that actually does line up with the gimmicky thing. Not the gimmicky thing, but with a name. People know Anderson Silva, and they know him to be a guy who can box, too. Um, and, it, you know, not just the guy who can kick, but, you know, has punched a lot of people out per se, right? So I actually think that that would probably sell pretty well. But it's not finalized, but that is a, a rumor note. That'll be part of our rumor stuff, uh, you know, when we update you on the purse bid and all that good stuff. But there is a variety of fights that got made. Um, I think I talked about it last week with the um, – I think I did. Dimitri Bivol and Gilberto Ramirez. I'm pretty sure I talked about that last week. It was finalized. They had the press conference in uh, – and that's a good fight. That's a very good fight. I'm really happy for Ramirez to finally get a step-up fight. It's been a long, long time since he stepped up and was the underdog. Um, so that's good for him. And they actually added two fights to the undercard, which that looks like it's going to be a really good card. And Eddie Hearn, we'll talk about it a little bit later. Eddie Hearn talked about how that is going to be a series from over there. So we'll see uh, like a championship series, not like a prospect series. So. Um, there is some other fights that we'll talk about in a little bit, but that about wraps up, you know, I mean, like I said, Pedraza and Comey, would they fight each other again? I'm not sure. I would watch it though. No doubt. Um, otherwise, you know, they are in a good position being around the top rank stuff because top rank has so many of these fighters and actually, you know, to kind of, Actually, we might as well go with some of this news because keeping it at 140 anyway, um, there was a, a purse bid that was won, and Zapata Progre was won for $2.4 million for Marv Nation. So that's a big win for them, a very big win, really, if you think about it. And, uh, you know, when you hear, you know, some other stuff about it, it makes you go, hmm. But, uh, but this is from Boxing Scene. Um, Marv Nation, you know, secures the Zapata Progre WBC title fight. CEO Marvin Rodriguez informs Boxing Scene that the fight will take place within 90 days per the WBC terms. And it'll either, it'll either be in Las Vegas or Atlantic City, okay? So, and there were, you know, some others trying to get that fight, because as we know, I mean, let's be honest, it's a good fight. You know, it's a very good fight. So there there was uh, plenty of interest in it, um, but they just, uh, you know, they they couldn't they couldn't mess with 2.4 million of uh, Marvin Rodriguez so that was that was a big one Jake Donovan had a nice article about it um, TGB Promotions Pro, Probellum in Zamfer bid about a million or more uh, in that realm TGB was a second for 1.26 and Zamfer Boxing was a, a little over a million as was Probellum so in top rank who has presented several Zapata's fights and associated with Zamfer over the years, uh, was present for the session, but did not bid on the fight. Um, so, and, he, and this is the, the purse bid rules, 
as Jake talks about in his article, uh, it's an even 90% split. And then, um, so both of them get a, a little over a mil, and the remaining 10% is for the winner at 240000 They They do that uh, on these purse bids. So, yeah, it's kind of interesting to see. Now, we've heard more from that. I think it was Dan Raphael who had a tweet, and some others talked about how the only problem is this dude doesn't he doesn't have a broadcaster in place for this, and he's actually looking at looking to make it on pay per view. When I heard that he first won the um, that Marv Nation won the purse, but I thought, oh, I wonder if he's going to try to go to Bally's, you know, and try to do it on uh, a Bally Sports Network because there has been some minor boxing on there lately. Um, but then when I saw it was for two point four million that they wanted, I thought, oh, okay, well, they're not going to do it there. But, yeah, this is Dan Raphael. Uh, I'm told Marv Nation, which dramatically overpaid for the fight, um, doubling the second-place bidder, did so with no broadcaster in place and is looking to make it a pay-per-view. So, and I already saw people rushing to it saying, well, it's probably going to be uh, on Fight TV Triller. That's, that's, that's what I would assume. I mean, if they're willing to do – a $30 pay-per-view for Tevin Farmer's last fight, then I'm assuming they'd be willing to do this. But, you know, I don't know. I'm not really sure where that would go. But obviously, that's the one thing where it's a really good fight, right? Because it is. It involves top five 140-pounders. But is it a pay-per-view main of that's, you know what I mean? That's where you're like, "Mm, I'm not sure, you know? You'd have to really hook up the undercard because it's it's somewhat similar to Ruiz and in Ortiz that way, where they're both top ten. Uh, I would say you know Progre and Zapata are ranked higher than say Luis Ortiz. No matter where you have Andy Ruiz, whether it's you know fourth or fifth or sixth, whatever. I, I don't know exactly where you have them. I know some people have them over Dillian White. Um, I guess you have to have him over Parker because Parker did beat him years ago. Uh, but anyway, um, it is one of those things where you're like, man, that's a good fight, but I wasn't anticipating that w- it would be a pay-per-view. Um, maybe on a pay-per-view undercard or co-feature, that'd be crazy. That'd be phenomenal. But that's uh, we were just talking about pay-per-views, you know. So given that they spent that much on it, I'm assuming they're going to have it on – not a, I don't think it'll be a $75 pay-per-view, but to recoup some of that money, you know, so we might have six pay-per-views. Remember how I just said five in four months, September, October, November, December? It'll probably be six now. Um, so we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Um, and then the other, since we're on the purse bid stuff, the other one, kind of a surprise here, actually. I didn't really see this one coming. Um, because they 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 did the uh, Jean Pascal uh, Boatsy purse bid, and DeBella actually snuck up and won that one. You know, there it sounds like, according to a variety of people, including uh, Dan Raphael, that there's a good chance that it winds up at BT Sport in the UK with the deal between DeBella and Frank Warren. This, uh, the split overall is 975000 but the first bid 60-40. Boatsy gets 585. 
Pascal gets 390, but DiBella outbid Matchroom, who bid 100,000 less. So that was kind of like a, damn, I didn't, I thought Eddie would win that because it wasn't like a crazy, uh, you know, a, a crazy, crazy 2 million or whatever. You know what I mean? If he would have just done a million, he would have won it. But, um, yeah, it's kind of, kind of interesting. Kind of, uh, a little, little surprise. Actually, somebody, somebody just <laughs> sent me this, uh, Dan Raphael tweet talking about, no, it's actually another pay-per-view. This is on Fight TV. It's for $10, though. Liam Smith against Hassam Mikino, Mwakino, will be streamed on Fight TV for 10 bucks. And, you know, um, like if it, let's say this, if ProGray in Zapata is 10 or 20 bucks, that's a lot better fight than this one for 10 or 20 bucks. Or I guess you could say the KSI uh, for 10, you know, $10 or whatever it is. Now there's two tiers of pay-per-views. One half, like I said, one half to do with Showtime, Fox and ESPN and, and Canelo with the zone pay-per-view. And then the other ones are this, this other layer, you know what I mean? So, yeah, I suppose, I, I guess, I, I'm not saying you don't count those, but when it's only $10, that at least, you know what I mean? That at least makes you feel a little bit better. You know what I'm saying? Um, and then also recently, um, big shots out to boxing podcaster Broadway Joel, best known as the voice of the Dominican boxing, of Dominican boxing. He was first to report that Jose Venezuela has a new opponent. Okay. Um, and even, you know, at the boxing scene, Jake said it's a development. It's not a finalized thing just yet, but I want to give a shout out to Broadway. Joel he does a great job there, um, especially with the Dominican boxing uh, scene, which is, you know, gaining some steam, no doubt about it. But uh, it sounds like Jezrel Corrales is having some visa issues. So it sounds like that fight's off, okay? And at first it's like, well, I, it was a step up in competition, you know what I mean? But when you see um, Edwin De Los Santos as the, you know, the potential, you know, fill-in, the step up, then all of a sudden you're like, hey, that's still a nice step up for where he's at in his career. Um, De Los Santos is 14-1 with 13 KOs. Um, you know, it, it's still pretty good. And he, as Jake says, the, the switch leaves Venezuela, Venezuela to at least face another southpaw, uh, though this is where the similarities end between De Los Santos and Corrales. Um, he even goes on to say a far more, you know, fan-friendly style uh, rather than a slowing the pace down fight to a crawl and being that Corrales. We already knew Corrales was past, you know, past his prime, but that's usually, you know, when you become a gatekeeper type guy. Um, so, you know, when I look at that, I do remember he talked about in the article that split a decision with William Foster III. Um, and, you know, in March, you know, he blasted out Acosta in the second round. 
So considering it's the week of, you know what I mean, and they lost due to visa issues reportedly, um, I think it's a pretty good fill-in. I really do. I, I, I like the fill-in. So that, that's pretty good. That, that is actually like, oh, okay. It's still, a, it's still his best opponent he's faced. And that's kind of the definition of a step-up fight, right? I mean, um, and I do, I do agree as far as a, a friendly style. That's also, I think it'll be more of a two-way fight or fan-friendly, fan no doubt. But the thing is, you know, for Jose to face Jisrell in that, that kind of style, there is something to be said about fighting a guy who's spoiled. Now, maybe Corrales, you know, fights like Bartelome in that fight, and all of a sudden he opens up more. But it has that similarity in a sense of there is something about when a guy can spoil, there is something good for a young fighter to get out of that. Now, it may not look good for us watching it, but you can definitely argue when a guy can take away your strengths, it it helps you go, okay, well, you know, what am I going to do next and learn from it for the next fight or make a adjustment and show, well, he tried to take that away, but he couldn't. Or I switched it up and it showed you a different, you know, um, different layer of my game and stuff like that. So either way, I'm pretty happy with that replacement. If in fact, it's not 100% official, but the week of replacement prospect against prospect, like I, I would take, I take that. I think that's a good, I still think that's a good prospect fight to go along with Joey Spencer going against Kevin Salgado in a, in his first real step up fight. Um, you know, cause Salgado coming off that, where he fought really well against Perella, you know. So um, we'll get into, you know, some other news. We'll get into this preview and predictions. I am really excited about um, this main event, though, as far as just the matchup. Like I said, we could take pay-per-view. We could talk about the pay-per-view. We could, we could take that out of it. I'm still just going to judge. You know, if this is a fight of the year, it's still going to count as a fight of the year just because it was on pay-per-view and it probably shouldn't have been a main event pay-per-view. I get that. You know what I mean? But I am excited about the fight. I, I think that, you know, for Ruiz, you know, it's about using his jab and setting up his shots. You, you probably don't want to over-jab, you know, double and triple up jabs with a counter-puncher like, like uh, you know, Ortiz, especially that left hand. But for him, you know, like I said, be smart because you are in there with a counterpuncher. Don't just rush in. But you do have to close the gap, and that's where the jab on the way in could help. Uh, but the punches and bunches, when he's you know doing that rapid fire from the head to body, that's where Ruiz is tough to beat. He, he can be really tough, especially when he's in shape, as we know. Um, and for Ortiz, father time. Even earlier this year against Martin, a drop twice. Like he, Father Time at some point catches up, as we know. How much does he have left in the tank? But either way, the dude has a top-notch jab. He's a very fluid puncher for heavyweight especially. With that jab, though, I mean, he can use it as a range finder. He can double, triple up. It's fast. It's powerful. And he can use it, like, on the move, using angles and all that. So, 
He can do it, you know, going forward. He can fight in general going forward or going backwards, using lateral movement right in the pocket. And as we know, that counter left hand, I mean, just ask Martin. I actually watched the fight again last night just to refresh. And I had kind of forgot about him standing up Martin after that that overhand left, um, how he just stood sideways. And he was out on his feet momentarily, you know. That was pretty – I kind of forgot about that. But, I mean, this is a good matchup on paper. Um, What is he, like a a two-and-a-half plus 250 or something like that? We'll get into all the good stuff. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Ortiz is like a plus 250, plus 275. So there's value there because Ortiz has the power, skill, and all that. I just like the matchup, and I also know that it will lead to a fight possibly with Wilder next year as long as he gets by Hellenius. Otherwise, they have other heavyweights they could match him with, too. But that would be obviously something that you'd hope they'd build to, because it does sound like Tyson Fury and Usyk are going to fight. Um, Guess it was a little early to drop that ring lineal champion, huh? But anyway, you can kind of see that coming. Anyway, let's go ahead and bring in John. I see him on here. Let's bring him in. What's going on, John? How the hell are you doing tonight, sir? Hey, Chris. Uh, great to be here as always. And a lot of the things you were just talking about are, of course, being a boxing fanatic, things that I, I've been thinking about as well. So good good point to uh, pick up the discussion. Um, matter of fact, might as well start there since you just mentioned it. Um, you know, Fury – basically back no no surprise um you know if you're if you care about boxing history and things like that there's to me there's and you know boxing is one of those historical sports like i always say i mean it matters more and like baseball i think worldwide you know soccer you know football is the rest of the world cause calls a lot of history there because you know it's not that the game itself i'm not knocking it but it's like that thrilling and you know people can say that about baseball too now, boxing's exciting on its own, but, but a lot of history. But why I say that with the ring stuff is, you know, it, over the years, things have gotten bad as it is, where championships have gotten to mean less and less. And, you know, you've had the ring have to struggle to keep its existence. And then, you know, transnational about 10 years ago, I understood the reason that they needed to have an existence and a lot of their people uh, had been with the ring at one time and it's just volunteer and I'm on that now. But the point being, you know, I think it was good that Oscar de la Hoya rescued the ring because of the history behind it. I was in favor of that. And for that reason, try, try to support some stuff that they were doing. Um, but you had to have a counter, you know, in other words, transnational being that where nobody is, you know, beholden to a promoter or anything like that. So you can theoretically, you know, leave the biases and not have any conflicts. But I think, yeah, we're in, we're in disarray with that. I mean, Fury's back. To me, you were on that side as well, Chris. I mean, I, I thought for anybody reasonable, um, you know, you knew Fury was going to be back. And some of the historian types thought that. Yeah. You and I both noticed, and I'll still say it because we all have biases. You have biases. I have biases. Everybody does. And, you know, all, all those – all those people uh, who, who said Usyk Joshua was all of a sudden going to be a title fight, 
they were all they were all picking Usyk to win, and you know he he did get the win, but you know he was a he was a favorite in the rematch as well. Um, but you know there, there's a lot of fighters. Look, you know I, I like Deontay Wilder. I think he's brought a lot of excitement to the sport. But you know he he's he's had two opportunities basically fallen just short, and you know he's never been the lineal champion. You know Golovkin hasn't, whether his fanboys want to admit it or not. Historically, he has not been. So what I'm just saying is. You know, Usyk's got to earn it in the ring. I mean, Tyson Fury wasn't really retired. We all knew that. And just because you like Usyk, you, you can't make him the champion. But, you know, the ring went ahead and did that, basically. And, uh, you know, the transnational, to my disappointment, followed. But don't want to talk too much about it. But that that is going to be possibly subject to change, which I know is not the best situation. But I think it's better to get it right in the long run than to stick with it wrong, which is calling Usyk the lineal, the lineal champion at that point. And I thought it was also a good point to pick up the discussion because, you know, there's been a lot of other talk and we've all seen the stuff over the last couple of weeks with the ring. And for me, it's a difficult issue because I think that it's good for the ring, the magazine to survive because of the boxing history, but it's gotta be something worthy of the legacy or we kind of missed the point. Right. <laughs> and I think, you know, we're seeing, we're seeing some things we're seeing some, and you know, it's boxing. Things always happen everywhere, but we're seeing some things that uh, don't necessarily live up to the legacy. Not that the ring has always been perfect. You know, they had scandal in the seventies with Don King bribing on the ratings, but you know, they're still going back to 1922 and a, and a lot of history and, and good history. I think it can be a, a good thing for the sport, but it depends, you know, in what form it's going to be continuing. So to me, that is a, a big problem with all of it. Um, and I think Chris, you know, maybe wanted to see your thoughts on this too, because I've thought about it now that the dust settled over the last couple of weeks and you want to look at good things in boxing and, you know, it was a good fight. It's still a top match at Usyk Joshua. You know, we were both looking forward to the fight and, you know, it was, was a pretty good fight. I don't think it's something we're going to remember in 10 years or anything like that, but particularly, but, but, um, you know, what hasn't been discussed that much is, I mean, that wasn't a blip on the radar screen in the U.S. I mean, you know, now that we look at the dust settling after two weeks, I mean, I didn't see anything written about it in any, you know, major sports reporting or, or nothing significant at all. I didn't hear anybody talking about it. I mean, just, you know, we people on Twitter, hardcore boxing fans, <laughs> social media. But Yeah, not, I didn't get any text anything. messages or talking uh you know i work at a, a brewery so people come in and out and talk to me about it like hey did you see that hey did you see that yeah i i i can attest to that i didn't get one i didn't get a text i didn't get a call i didn't have any regular talk to me about it or anything that's what i mean like i had no same with me right? you know because people just know i'm so you know so into boxing when sometimes when something comes up and they have a casual interest in it yeah just like you get they'll, they'll ask me Nobody asked. Nobody even said anything about it. You know, print, print sections are obsolete, and I get my stuff online now, too, mainly, like everybody else. But, you know, I'll still pick up the print and look at it, you know, when I'm up in Jersey. I'm in North Jersey. You get all the New York papers, and, you know, that's always a big traditional boxing area. There was not one Usyk Joshua article in the New York Daily News or New York Post at any time. <laughs> I mean, at any time. So, 
you know, that kind of adds to it a little bit too. I mean, like, look, people do have to have a little, you got to be fair, but there was no reason to call Usyk Joshua for the lineal. That understood. In addition, you know, why do, why do it with a, with a fight that, I mean, nobody's talking about. I mean, at least Tyson Fury, I'm not, I'm not going to say he's a U.S. superstar or something, but, but let's face it. You look at the pay-per-view numbers, even though he had Wilder as a dance partner, but still, I mean, you know, he, he got on, you know, WWE things and stuff like, I mean, you know, the, the guy, I mean, people in the U.S. know who the guy is now, um, but the, the other guy, you know, the other guys that, that fought two weeks ago, not, not, not so much. So I think we got to try to hang on to history and things the sport needs, get, get, some, get some of these title discussion, at least in back in some semblance of reality. Um, and heavyweight's always the most important since it's the flagship. So I think people need to get back in reality that, you know, Fury's the lineal champ. You know, he, I think Transnational should recognize him. Hopefully they will. I, I, it appears that the ring is just going to careen down, <laughs> careen down the bad, bad, bad path, uh, which is troubling with a lot of things. Because um, I don't, I just don't think that's good for the sport overall. Because, you know, yeah, you can have them collapse, and things are going to go on. But I mean, it's just one more. It's just one more thing in boxing, you know, history-wise that that's that you that you lose. So, I, I'd I'd rather think rather see things get reformed and and fixed up. So, uh, just wanted to chime that in on that before we get to some of the other uh, fights last week and then this week. Um, I guess last week, you know, my thoughts: the Pedraza Comey ended up being a real good fight. I I went with Comey for the upset draw. You know, I thought the draw was fair. Um, yeah, me too. Yeah, I actually, yeah, I actually thought, and you know, even though I thought the draw was fair, and I picked Comey, and he was like a, you know, he was like a plus two ten when the, when the fight ended up going off. I mean, and I thought he looked pretty much like his normal self. But you know, I thought it was a draw, fair, fair scoring. But Pedraza, I actually thought it looked really good. I know some people were kind of like, oh, and I'm not saying this Lopez wouldn't beat him. I would pick Lopez as well. But like. I didn't see anything wrong with Pedraza's performance. I, I thought the guy, he's actually one of those guys that, I mean, when you think he's even moved up 10 pounds in weight, he's kind of gotten better, I think. I mean, you know, yeah. he's got a, a real good punch for He had a slow start. I think that's in people's minds or something. The first three rounds, he didn't look all that good, but he picked it up. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, he works the body now. Um, he's got a lot of punch variety, you know, he can box, he can, he can punch some, um, you know, except for getting blown out by, uh, Gervonta. Yeah. He can move except for getting blown out, you know, Gervonta Davis. I mean, he's been durable, you know, Loma had him at the end, but he hung on and it was only at the end. Um, so, you know, I, I don't, I'm not going to say he's going any farther or anything like that, or either is Comey, but I do agree with the assessment. People said, Hey, it ended up being one of those fights, um, they both kind of won because they both respectably go on. And, you know, that was the type of fight that, you know, earns and keeps fans respect. And, you know, as you pointed out a few weeks ago, um, top ranks doing a good job with, you know, at least maybe some of these fights that aren't the very top, but, you know, getting them on ESPN with some good matchmaking at the top on some of these lately where there's entertainment value, you know, in theory, which I think you need with that type of a setting, like, 
Um, you need where if a casual fan was flipping around or watching something else, which we don't really have any of those left, but you need to create some, uh, that they would then look at that and say, hey, that's a, you know, this is a good fight. This entertained me. That was one of those kind of fights. I like to have that confidence where when a fight's on that it's at least at that level. But, you know, starting so late on the East, I mean, we just can't seem to, we can't seem to get beyond that. And I think it's worth mentioning. I like this theme. I'd really, I've said it with PBC, and I'll say it with Top Rank now. That they're, you know, I'd like to see more of these heavyweight themes. I, I like that between the, you know, the ESPN card and the ESPN Plus. We saw a Jogba, Anderson, and Torres, and they all had blowout type knockouts. You know, Anderson and Torres really kind of on the highlight reel, but. You know, look, this has been going on in boxing a long time, but this is another subject on my mind because it's a little disturbing. And I, I've said it before. I mean, you know, and I think it's going to tie into some of the undercard we have coming up this week. I mean, you know, these, these I, I see top rank and PBC with some of these fights. I mean, you know, they're they're putting they're they're setting up things where they're 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 putting together matchups that they're expecting to be a highlight reel KO. You know what I mean? Like where the guy sure. who's in there is just going to be fighting just enough. Cause we both know that if a guy really doesn't come to fight and they're kind of taking a dive, it's not really a highlight reel. You know, it's gotta be a poor guy who's doing his job as a fighter and, and at least trying, but because of the style matchup and the mismatch in talent or at what stages of the career, the fighters are at, it's going to be a highlight. <laughs> they're going out in highlight real fashion. I, I'm seeing matchups that, you know, I think are just being set up for that. Like, you know, and I think the, that's what Top Rank was doing with these heavyweights this week. You know, yeah, we know who they're in with. And, you know, may, maybe w- with more eyeballs out there, they're going to get highlight real KOs, and then we're going to bring in more viewers. And, you know, I, I mean, PBC, I and think they match are doing them. that with Valens. You know, if they yeah, match yeah. after that, too, that's the key, right? Right, but it doesn't seem to really happen. You know, like when Top Rank right. signed these heavyweights before, and they weren't guys as good of prospects as they've got now, but it's like you kind of waited on it, and then, like, the matchups kind of never came. Uh, PBC will put their own guys to – well, Top Rank will do it too, but, you know, like we said, Hearn doesn't like to do it. But, you know, it seems like kind of you got to wait. Like, you're right, if it was like – you know, if it was like we saw these – and this is something you've kind of lost a little bit, like – if we just saw this in theory, you know, if we saw Torres did what he did and Anderson do what he did and they were going to fight in two months. Okay. But we know that we know that's, you know, we, we know that's not going to happen. And I know Anderson has more fights and everything, but I'm just saying, right. Right. A lot of this, you know, even FA, right. You know, or something like that. Right. That'd be a little bit. Yeah. Even the job for, for Anderson. Exactly. That That's what we're not getting. And uh, with, with like all promotions and, you know, you, you get yeah, like things you said, that are supposed it's been going to on for a while. That's for sure. Yeah, and and, and they're just, it's just too long. It's just too long before they get into the decent matchup, with, or or they even ever put together some of these guys. And I think I've been saying it for a while. I think these are old relics too. That's why I really think they are like highlight real KOs that are being put out there for marketing. Because you know, I brought this up before. Um, and, and it applies to a lot of different guys, but Torres, just because it's happened recently, is a good example. I mean, Torres fought Jalalov 
for the gold medal and, you know, held his own. He got KO'd by him earlier, battled him, made a good account of himself, went the distance. Now, why, why does Torres, and it's the same like for, you know, Jalalov, why do they have to go back to fighting these guys? <laughs> they, just, they just fought each other for the gold medal and had a fight that goes the distance. You know, sure, it's the amateurs, but, I mean, there really is some to it. I mean, like, like people really think, oh, Torres, he needs to learn, you know, he needs to fight this guy. He's not learning anything fighting this guy, <laughs> nothing. And, you know, Ajagba didn't learn anything fighting that guy he fought, and Anderson didn't learn anything fighting that guy he fought. Those are highlights. They get any rounds, that's for sure, (laughs) you know. Yeah, they don't get get rounds. And, and, you know, even sometimes then when it goes rounds, it's as we've seen, when the guy doesn't want to engage and they're spoiling. You know, it's just overrated. It's not that you don't gain from experience but it's what experience and, and we know this because this, this is like anything in life not just boxing when you're really honest with yourself and and I, I've even heard in law at seminars I, in, in law we have a thing called a, called a dog case it's, it's kind of the opposite but it's like uh, it, it would be true for lawyers but it'd be, it'd be the exact opposite like in other words you, you've got a really bad case you know and you, you your facts aren't any good and things like that and and you know you take you take the wrong case, and then you've got to go to trial on it anyway. And people used you know older partners used to say, oh, you're gaining experience and stuff like that. But you're trying a dog, you know what I mean? Like you're not you're not you don't have the case. You don't learn like you're not trying a case with major injuries or you know a good plaintiff that you know so you know how to present them. You know I'm on the plaintiff side, but but in other words, the point is, I I heard a good speaker 30 years ago say after a while try the dogs just try the dog it's not it's not worth anything else so that's what i'm kind of saying in the boxing sense like you know fight fighting a fighting a mismatched journeyman who doesn't belong in the ring with you is just you're learning how to fight a mismatched journeyman you know you're not learning how to fight fury or anything like that a lot a lot of this is mythology it, it really is i mean because you know, well, yeah, and then keep it on the ESPN but... Plus stream, you know. Don't put it on the national broadcast then, you know. <laughs> that, that's, the thing, right. that's the thing, too. Now, I understand the flip side of that as well. We're promoting these guys, so we see knockouts. And I remember, uh, right. you know, a guy like Joey Spencer or, or some other guys, just to say, like, the Fox cards in 2019, a lot of times right. the main event in the, in the co-feature were sold, but a lot of times they would start with like Vito or, or some kind of prospect in a probably a right. quick knockout, and then they go to the real fights. And like I right. get the promotion side of it, but when you look at the rating, it's not like it got a really big. I don't know, man. And even the Ali grandson stuff, how he always gets these four and six rounders. Right. Right. It's a funky right. thing, right. you know. It's like just more competitive. Right. Like we've been talking about the mid-level stuff on the actual broadcast, you know. Exactly, Chris. That's exactly what I'm talking about. I mean, here's something where you're right. I mean, maybe it's where, again, if they would tell you with the times right, maybe it's where the zone and the plus, um, you know, a Fox Sports stream or, or, you know, the FS2 or something. Yeah, or YouTube or something. Yeah, maybe it's right. YouTube, maybe it's where you have a little place because, you know, what was kind of good. I mean, look, I'm not somebody, believe it or not, I don't hearken every, everything back to the old days. I think in all things in life, you can't be looking back on everything. But boxing is a sport that 
in popularity. You, you just can't deny it. You know, it's deteriorated in things. So in that instance, there were some things that arguably were better. And, you know, the, the old way to do it was kind of like you basically – put trust in like the TV boxing guy. Like, you know, remember like ABC had Alex Wallou and of course, and, you know, even in more recent times with premium cable, when HBO had DeBella and, you know, Showtime had Jay Larkin and these right, people. Right. Well, yep. my, my, my point there is like the old way of kind of doing it that might be a little bit better was like you, you, you let all those fights happen where nobody really did see them. And then you put the trust in the TV guy who's going to provide you with quality entertainment. Like in other words, that he picked out the right two prospects, then they're going to fight, you know, they're going to fight each other at that point, or they're going to fight a real fringe top 10 guy. And they're going to show you that, you know what I mean? Like, in other words, like you, you Torres might not be a good example because he got a silver medal and, and, and back, even back in the day, you know, they always wanted to expose Olympians more, but you know, let's say, yeah, you had a, you had an Ajagba, like you first, you, you first see him when he's going to, you know, he's going to fight that fringe top tennis guy who could give him a fight, that type of thing. Like you don't, you know, you know you, just like you said, you don't have these guys getting exposed on main cards in these ridiculous mismatches. Cause it's just what you said. I, I'm with you. I mean, I know why they're doing it. They're saying let's have Neil Nicky have a highlight real knockout on Fox or Spencer, you know, let's have a job to have one on ESPN and let's have now Torres just did it. I mean, that's that, but that's kind of getting me back around. That's what I'm saying that like these, these are becoming planned things and the entertainment that it's like, I always then get back to, it's more like watching an infomercial, you know, it's like, right. then it is like competitive boxing entertainment. And, you know, none of us really want to sit around watching, infomercials a lot of the time. That's why they're on at weird times and things like that. That's the part of me what, what, I mean, there's that no joke. That is what's kind of happened with boxing. So, you know, um, that, that's kind of why. Well, you a, per, a perfect that. example, like, real quick, a perfect example. And, and I understood why they did it on pay-per-view at the time, because it did really big numbers, but the Canelo Chavez jr. Was just an infomercial, a marketing ploy to get to the Golovkin fight, and they even had Golovkin there that night, remember, and all that. And So then yeah. it's like, all right, you got to pay off at least because you literally – it's May, and they're fighting in September. You know what I mean? And so right. that makes more sense, and obviously it's a bad example because, you know, the amount of money that drew was obvious. But, um, but yeah, I know what you're saying, and, uh, you know, it just seems like the only time – some of these outlets have good undercards is when they got a, more of a name veteran fighter coming back in a fight. And so they're like, well, that's not going to be a great main event, but let's hook up the undercard rather than just three right. solid fights and make it a triple header. That's something we said about how Showtime, <clears throat> whether the main event's good or not, they generally have a pretty good triple header uh, when they're rolling, right. especially these last year and a half. But um, some of the main events they've, uh, had you know have announced later had of late we're, we're pretty lackluster when it comes to that um that is something that we have to uh you know it would be nice overall to you know get back to and i under, especially like how much this you know when you look at it budget wise pedraza and comey can't be breaking the bank you know what i mean so it's like right even if you got an eight to ten rounder on a showbox theme type thing 
where you're not paying these guys major money, but it's just, just a damn good fight. And it'll keep people around, like you said, occupied, the casual fan, to then say, okay, this is a good fight. Oh, there's a main event coming? Cool, you know? Right. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's, that's what we need. That's what we need more of. I mean, this, this infomercial stuff, a lot, a lot of stuff that's just like an infomercial type policy. But I think you made a good example. Like, we're not even getting that enough. Like, like you said, like, all right, Chavez Jr., Golovkin, I mean, Canelo, I, I mean, Chavez Jr., Canelo. You know, Canelo really did fight Golovkin the next fight. I mean, they made a big deal about it. It was pay-per-view as well. But, I mean, at least, you know, right, we're even kind of getting away from that. Like, yeah, like you said, we don't, we don't even get these now. And then, like, we have an immediate payoff. Like, we really know then in three months that these, these right. two guys, they just show fight each other in a good fight. They used to at least do that. that. That's even kind of by the wayside. Like, it's all, like, indefinite. You know, it's not like we watch one of these infomercial-type fights and we're guaranteed the next matchup's going to be a good one. So, um, Or at least they're pushing it. They're pushing it. You know, like, they're, we're going to hear a lot about Wilder against Ruiz during the, the fight card this weekend. I can almost guarantee it. They're going to push that. You know what I mean? Um, now, Ruiz has to get by Ortiz, obviously. But they'll be pushing it, and we assumed it'll be next, but it's still not set in stone or whatever, you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, it, it, I agree it's a fight that can sell, but I don't know if they'll go right I don't know if they'll go right to it or not. I mean, um, I don't care about the alphabet stuff, but, you know, they, they always sell some fans on it, and uh, I yeah. see – I'm, I'm expecting any day. I mean, I see WBC interim heavyweight title coming any day. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, Setting up the mandatory for next April or whatever. Yeah. No, I know. Right. Yep, it's, it's I agree. Something, yeah. Well, because, you know, and let's face it, the last one was fight of the year, and, and we know how this can happen in boxing. Uh, this This would not – I know they're getting older, and this would be not real soon, but let's just say in theory, I mean – if Wilder does reel off a couple wins and, you know, Fury beats Usyk or something like that, I mean, you, there could be a Wilder. It's not out of the realm. Nah, people, I mean, they already proven they can work together. I mean, it, brutal fights, you know, but, but, hey, you know, when you have fight of the year like that, I mean, now that fight people are going to be talking about in 20 years, you know, Wilder, Fury 3. So, um, especially if Wilder comes back and, and – does do some pay-per-view numbers. I mean, it's not impossible. That's all. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but it won't be like real soon, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's out of the realm of possibility either, because if Wilder is going to keep going, look, he's proven he's prideful. You saw how much he gave in that last Fury fight, even if the odds are stacked against him, you know, he might say, if he's winning, you know, he, he might say, Hey, I'm at that point, you know, I'm 38 or whatever. I, I, I want one more crack. You know, I want one more crack at this guy. I mean, you know, I'm not saying it, you know, it's it's very good for your health or whatever, but it's not out of the realm of it's not out of the realm of possibility. Now, of course, if he comes back and he doesn't do well, I mean, that's not going to happen. But, but and like uh, you said, it yeah, has to be probably he'd have to get at least a a Ruiz win or something, you know, just to get the right. public going back again or whatever. But um, and you know, right. he's going to look thinner in this next fight, and you know. Uh, a year from now, if he's knocking three people out, well, he's going to be back to his 220, and we know he can last longer. But you know, you can always <laughs> right. build a fight, but 
you know, the right. reason why he lost because he got tired. You know, I mean, you can always build, but right. we're not really aiming at that just yet. But let's take the pay-per-view side out of it right now because we are going to have a little pay-per-view segment after we break down this card. So let's not talk about the pay-per-view per se, like the actual, the fact that this is on pay-per-view because we're about right. to get into that. Um, but okay. let's just look at the fights for what they are. Um, we'll start with the main event. You know, Ruiz, Ortiz, you know, last, we thought we were going to get it a while back. Um, really the last, like, nine months or so, we thought we were going to get it. We thought we were going to get to close last year. Ruiz did have a little knee issue, had some surgery on it. Ortiz did stay busy in a, a very competitive fight with Martin, that's for sure, uh, while it lasted. Um, but, you know, he has shown, he showed some signs of aging in that fight, no doubt about it, um, but at least he got a fight in this year, whereas Ruiz, you know, he his last fight was against Ariola last April, and so two Aprils ago, and that's, that's a long time ago, and he didn't look particularly good for a chunk of it. Now, he turned it around and ended up winning the fight. He got knocked down, got hurt again, uh, and some of it, he said, you know, I was some of it, he didn't look as good based off his knee injury, and he got cleaned up or whatever on it. Who knows if it was a, a minor cleanup type thing? That's probably what it was. I actually don't know the exact facts when it comes to that. Um, and, and we talk about how, you know, we don't have the exact x-ray of what was wrong with the knee, and it was just a cleanup or whatever. But obviously he was out of the ring for a while. So um, his last fight, he showed what he can do, but also some mm, didn't look so good. Ruiz has been saying something of late, though, that, you know, instead of worrying about what I exactly weigh in, just be in good shape and be comfortable because for a while, much like especially when Fury roughed up Wilder in the second fight, a lot of people said, you need to put on weight, dude. You need to put on weight. Well, instead of worrying about, well, you got to be, you know, you got to take off 30 pounds. You got to do this and not make it so much about the weight. Just be in shape and be working out before training camp starts and all that. If we got to focus, Ruiz, which it seems on the surface anyway, that we do, um, he is a dangerous fighter. Like I mentioned, those punches and bunches, the hand speed, um, closing that gap and, and, and working the body and head and some of those, you know, forehead shots. You know, he, he can hurt guys. We've seen it. And he's a fun fighter to watch, uh, whether he's getting hurt or the other guy. You know, he's a fun fighter to watch. But he is in there with a crafty guy. What's left of him, you know, uh, what's left in the tank, we'll see. That counter left hand, though, whether it's a, a hook or overhand right, it's the skills he has as a heavyweight and the fluidity of his punching combinations, especially when he does put them in combinations. Ortiz is a damn good fighter, too. Um, you know, he, he, he was built up as a big thing on HBO as far as not built up as a star, but built up as, you know, King Kong and a lot of people are going to duck him. He went to match room for a couple fights. They didn't make the Joshua fight. Obviously he's been with the PBC now for a while. His two big, big fights were against Wilder. He, he, he buzzed it, especially in that first right, uh, fight hurt, uh, Wilder. He was winning the second fight, clearly landing some big, big power shots, and then got stunted uh, and, you know, got stunned and dropped 
look at you know that it's I always remember the amount of sweat that came off his head and just the look that he had after when he was on the ground, uh, pretty shocking, but not you know with Wilder and whatnot. But how how do you see this fight playing out? Because you know a lot of people are just like, oh, Ruiz is going to win this fight. You know he, he's just he's better. He's in shape now. Yada yada yada. And if you look at you know. If you look at, let's see, uh, plus 290, plus 275, I think plus 300 is the highest I see, and that's on Bet365. Of course, I'm on the Pro Boxing Odds, which is a great website. If you haven't checked it out, you should. How do you see this fight playing out? And is Luis Ortiz, you know, good enough in this matchup? And live enough of a dog, considering you can get him anywhere from 250 to 300, is he worth taking a flyer out? How do you see this one playing out, John? Uh, I think it's just on the, the boxing itself, this is an entertaining night of boxing, this card. I, I can describe it as that. And, of course, this is the headliner, Ruiz and Ortiz. Yeah, I'm along the lines of I didn't like the way – Either guy looked in their last fight. I didn't like the way Ruiz looked against Ariola as much as some people. I thought Ruiz definitely did win the fight, but he was seriously hurt by Ariola and dropped. And, and I thought Ariola was competitive the whole way, really, to the end, even though Ruiz ended up winning it. But Ariola was there the whole way. Um, and then Ortiz, you know, Charles Martin, he, he was in serious trouble getting dropped twice. But then... The, the punch he ended it with on Martin was a real bomb. I mean, you know, that, that was for real. I mean, Martin was, was out on his feet. I mean, uh, you know, that was no pity-pat shot. Um, and, and Power's the last thing to go. And, of course, Ortiz is a southpaw who has some skills. So I think I'm going with Ruiz in the fight, just with the hand speed and the youth. And you made a good point about the weight. That's a tricky subject for me because sometimes you want to – have better stamina, be faster. Um, you know, heavyweights don't have to make weight, and then we can tell by what your weight is. But you do make a good point, too. And even even in more sophisticated sports nutrition-type things, I'm seeing this more lately. Because running, it was always thought you got to keep the weight down no matter what. That's one of the sports that's most intense. But you're seeing more now about people, kind of what you described. Like, look, you know, if you're going to get too drained – it's not helping you, you know, you're better off just kind of being in really good shape, you know, keep, you know, if your weight's up a little bit, don't worry about it. Um, not a beauty that's kind of what Ruiz, right. Exactly. That's kind of, that's what Ruiz is saying here. There could be something to that, but it's just what you said. But if he's doing that, you really gotta be, you know, you really gotta be in shape. Like he can't be just saying it as an excuse and he's not training that hard. And, and that includes running and everything. You know, he's got to really be training hard and in good shape. And then if he's eating and comes in a little heavy, maybe it won't matter as much as we think. That's kind of what he's implying. And that, that's one I just got to say, we'll, we'll see. I'm, I'm not sure if that's automatically going to be better better for him or not. Um, but he does have hand speed, pretty good pop. I, I don't. I don't think he's a. I don't think he's as good a puncher as some people think he is. He's not a bad puncher, but I agree. I think yeah. some people. Ortiz is a bigger think, puncher, I'd say. That, that's what I think. I mean, I think one shot. I think Ruiz. Right. I agree. I, I think people think Ruiz hits a little harder 
than he did, especially than he does, especially since he stopped Joshua. But but he has some pop. I go with you when I when I like Ruiz the most is um, and it's it's what got me thinking he had a chance against Joshua. I'm not saying I was picking him to win, but I did say he was a better opponent than a lot coming in, and I was arguing with some people saying no, he's got a different look, the hand speed. Um, not that it was that tough of an opponent, but I thought really the best I'd ever seen him even was in that fight before Joshua because of what you said. He had good head movement. That's when he was coming. He joined PBC. He'd been off for a long period of time and uh, looked real sharp. You know, a lot of head movement, good hand speed to the head and body. Um, that's when he is at his best. But, you know, I haven't seen that that much since. You know, of course, first Joshua fight. Big KO, huge upset, good there. But we haven't seen it, you know. The, the, of course, the rematch with Joshua, he was dreadful. I mean, you, you could barely give him a round. I mean, if, if people had that 12-0 Joshua, I wouldn't have argued with it. And, and Joshua didn't look that great. You know, Joshua was tentative and just staying away from him, almost not running, but almost running. But still, Ruiz did nothing. So you just couldn't give him any rounds. Um, you know, that, that sticks in mind, too. So... I'm kind of with you, like people saying this is an automatic Louise and just because Ortiz is old, I don't see it that way. I can't, I can't get to just picking Ortiz, but I'm with you when, when you look at the odds on both guys, I mean, if I'm going to put money down on this one, I think you almost might've hit it on the head. Like, like the closer this one's getting and you really look at the odds, it's kind of like, I think maybe if I had to put money down, I, I might almost slightly lean. It's a close one. Because it's not like uh, Ruiz is such a massive favorite. You're not going to, you know, you make a little money. But if he was like minus 200, I'd feel, you know, yeah, Ruiz, definitely. But, you know, he's like, like you said, around minus 300-ish. I mean, eh, I'm not crazy about him out of minus 300 because he didn't look good. And he got dropped and seriously hurt. So even though Ortiz is older and, and, you know, got dropped twice by Martin and had to reach deep, you can't really look at both of them and say that, Ortiz can't land something on Ruiz that hurts him. Like, right? The guy just got hurt by Ariola. Um, so it's within the, you know, it's within the realm of possibility. And even though Joshua was a big puncher, Joshua hasn't been aggressive, you know, in recent fights. And he dropped Ruiz before he got taken out in their first fight. Um, you know, it's heavyweight. You know, you're going to, you're going to get hurt. You're going to go down. So, you know, when you get to heavyweight nowadays, even light heavy, and above, you got to say, hey, you know, people can get hurt, they can get dropped. So you got to kind of keep perspective in it. Um, both, you know, so, but it looks like a fight where both guys can be hurt here. I mean, you, you can't really go into this one, even Ortiz being in his, you know, early 40s and say he can't hurt Ruiz because power's the last thing to go to. And he just, you saw what he caught Martin with. So um, you can't really say he can't hurt Ruiz. Here you would think Ruiz has got to be in good shape, and if he takes advantage of his hand speed and head movement, it should be enough for him. Uh, maybe to. It's interesting because you know if you look at uh, this is worth mentioning because the odds makers still always know best, even though they don't get it right every time. They get it right more than you do, and when I look at the round props, you, you actually rarely see this because if you statistically look at boxing. KO, it actually usually is kind of like around the middle rounds. And, you know, odds makers know stuff like that. But I can't remember the round. But it, it, for a fight with Ruiz being a minus 300, it's a later round. I found that a bit interesting. You know what I mean? Like it's like second half of the fight. 
and you don't you actually don't see that on KO props that much. I, I found that interesting because the odds makers still always know best before anybody else. So they so they think Ortiz is going to wear down, um, you know, in this in this one um, because it's not like Ruiz has a ton of late stoppages or something, and you know he comes in heavy a lot. But so so that's what I take it as that is that they think maybe Ortiz is going to start out okay and, and that type of thing, but just you know the the age and the and the wear and tear finally at this point is going to get to him before the end of the fight. So I, I found that kind of interesting. I, I'm not sure if that, that exactly plays out that way. I'm kind of looking at it more that just for this fight, Ruiz has just got to be in good shape and be faster uh, because then considering Ortiz's age, it's going to be hard for Ortiz to, to stay with him, And, and, you know, or Ortiz may not have the punch resistance at this point. Um, and you know, that, that, that's the way I, I would think it would go, but Ruiz is not coming off. I mean, he's, he's really, to me, coming off two performances that weren't good, Joshua two and Ariola. Yeah. So I, I, on these odds, right where it stands now, I don't feel great about where Ruiz, he seems, he seems to be a little bit too big of a favorite. So I'm with you on that. I've seen a, a couple of people say the majority. Yeah, a little overvalued, I think, but the majority seems to be saying, like you pointed out, they're like, oh, it's just going to be Ruiz, Ortiz is too old. But I see a couple of people looking at it like you and me, and I'm in that camp, and I go what I think myself there, and I'm with you on this one. I, I just think that, yeah, a little overvalued on Ruiz here. I don't think that last performance was that good because everybody's looking at it like I am too yet. Ortiz got dropped twice by Martin, but Ruiz just got dropped and was in serious trouble against Ariola. It didn't stop Yeah. You know, and so, uh, you know, it's not like Ruiz is coming on, in on some role and he's changed trainers, trainers again. Um, so, you know, right, yeah. we don't know what we're going to get here. It's not like he's back with Robles or something, you know, right. more of a more of a known quantity. I mean, sometimes you look at that and you think, okay, well, he's back with Robles. He's not back with Robles. So um, that's another X factor to me. I, I you know, I don't think, yeah, I, I don't think Ortiz is out of this thing like like a lot of people seem to think. I, I gotta I gotta go with Ruiz with the hand speed and the age, but I don't think Ortiz is out of this thing. So it's it's a it's an entertaining main event. I mean, I think in terms of a entertainment night of boxing, PBC's put a pretty good thing together. But on the rest of the the rest of the paper pay per view card, I think they're they're going for a little more of the looking for that highlight, highlight reel stuff we talked about, but they've got guys you want to see on there, you know, like Valenzuela and Isak Cruz, um, you know, that's just on the pay-per-view portion. So, you know, entertaining night of boxing, and, and then we've got two good Fox fights as well um, with the uh, right. Spencer Delgado fight, which is a real test for Spencer. I, I think that's going to be a real interesting one, and Aline Plania should be real entertaining. Yeah, I think that's that. Those those are real, you know, real deal fights Those when are it real comes fights. to where. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, in a weird way, I'm really know, looking forward to the free stuff because those are real. Those are real fights, and Spencer's 154. Like I said, I I like watch, you know I like watching good fights even with the lower weight guys, but they're just not as much of a sell, no matter what the hipsters want to say. So you know, I mean, Elaine Plany is going to be a good fight. I'm really looking forward to it, but. Like Spencer Salgado is a 154 pound fight that's going to be good, 
uh, that's there too. I, I like them both, but I'm just saying like that's 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 pretty good. That's pretty good for free. It's really something that PBC needed to do. I think. Yeah, and we did talk about how, you know, this year they have, you know, the Thurman Barrios. We gave our take on that as far as being a pay per view and all that. They they Charles Martin. Against Ortiz on pay-per-view, it was half the amount of the normal pay-per-view, but still, it was a pay-per-view. And but the the fact that they had, I think it was seven, I think it was five on that card, and then two on the under, you know, on the Fox stuff. So I think it was seven seven fights that night. So you know, out of six fights, really, you know, when it comes to like sitting down watching it that night, most people, everyone that has a you know, a television can get the Fox card, and, and then if you have cable, you can get the FS1 card. But, um, you know, the Abner Mares returning, you know, like I said earlier in the show, yeah. I'm very biased when it comes to Abner Mares as far as uh, I just loved watching him fight. Um, but it's just out of left field just because we really don't know what we're going to get out of him. Uh, Miguel Flores isn't a bad uh, level to come back to when you've been out so long, but you just don't know because could it be entertaining because Abner Mares has been out a long time? He's got so much rust on him. You know, who knows? Sure, it could be. It could be, but, you know, on, on paper, Flores and Mares doesn't excite you at all beyond, well, if Mares looks bad, maybe it'd be a competitive fight. You know what I mean? That type of thing. It, it's out of yeah. left field. Um, I think it is more of like for hardcore fight fans in L.A. that know Mar. Oh, Mars is on there? Okay, yeah, you know, that's a cool little fight. You know, like a casual, kind of the common fan that actually attends fights because, you know, like Abner Mars had a lot of fights in California. And for a small guy, he did have plenty of main events, too, and he was on some interesting cards as we've seen. But, you know, that fight is what it is. Uh, like I said, I love me some Abner Mares. Uh, him and Carl Froch had a string of fights where you're like, wow, dude. Let's say out of the last eight or ten, there was most of them were really solid opponents. He had a really great string there for a while. I like this fighting style. He could fight versatile. Um, as he went up in weight, he did start to become more of a boxer. Um, that is what it is. Now, the Isak Cruz fight, from an entertainment value, yeah. I mean, most of the time, Isak Cruz is going to be fun to watch. Eduardo Ramirez is a real fighter. Um, I think, I want to say, I just checked the Transnational uh, at 130 had him, I believe, at 9th. Or no, at 10th, and the ring had him at, at 9th. But that was at 130. He does have a frame that it seems like it'll be fine at 135. But this is more of just a... Like like you said, if we've had a couple, if we've had like three out of four good fights, this will be a fun fight to watch. But it's not something that I'm looking forward to. Like, oh, dude, this is like it. It shouldn't be for a title eliminator, right? Obviously, that type of thing. Where it's like, right. you know, I, I understand the fight. Either Isak Cruz, they're building him to, you know, ultimately they're going to build him to fight Javante again at some point. It was too tight of a fight, and I think right. the second one could sell some more. So I get it. This is boxing. Um, you know, and with Cruz's style getting hit a lot, who knows? You know, maybe the first four, six rounds, Ramirez is in the fight because he's got hand speed. He, he puts his punches together. But it's not one that I'm like, oh, this is a good fight. 
I just think, like you said, it's part of the theme of entertainment uh, to go along with it. But when you get into the Jose Venezuela, um, I do still think where he's at, what is it? This is his 13th fight. You know, I didn't mind the Corrales fight, although I did understand people, he could be a, when people were talking about him being a spoiler, especially at an older age. I do think you can get rounds out of that and you can learn stuff out of that for a young fighter. So no matter where Corrales was, unless he was just going to get one punched and he's done, it still was a step up fight. You know what I mean? It it still was a step up resume wise, but um, I, you know, for a late, if they can pull this off, which it sounds like they're gonna, for a late fill-in, um, I don't. I I, I kind of like the late fill-in fight because it's still prospect against prospect, and I am interested um, a whole lot in you know Jose's career in general. And I'm talking about Edwin De Los Santos, who's I think he has one loss. Uh, I think he lost a split decision to Foster, um, and then recently. Uh, I think in March or, or April, he, he beat uh, uh, an unbeaten prospect, Luis Acosto. So this is like, okay, this still kind of puts you in the realm of a step-up fight as long as it actually happens. Um, so to me, I have interest in it, you know, and just seeing what Jose Venezuela brings to the ring, he's a skillful guy. He is trying to land power punches as well. He can really put his punches together. He's got skill. This one, to me, it actually, I'm interested in it. It's not just a pushover fight um, that we, you know, how many times have we had a pay-per-view that the first fight is literally a pushover knockout fight? The last 15 years or so, we've had a lot of those. And so I wouldn't classify it as that. But there is kind of an interesting level uh, for me. You know what I mean? Before we, what, what are your thoughts overall about those fights and then we'll get with a little bit more in depth with the other two, which are really good fights on paper. Yeah. Look, um, Abner Morris, I liked him a lot as a fighter, too, in a lot of entertaining fights. Um, and, you know, it's, it's people's lives. They can do what they want. But, you know, he, he's got had a show, has a show, you know, at least has had a Showtime broadcasting gig up to this point. Right. Um, you know, I got to just this one from the outside. Again, it's his decision, but you know, why why do this? You know, the guy right. had the eye surgery, and it, for that reason, I, I'm not crazy about this one. Um, I, I just just not not a real good feel. And then you're putting him in a pay per view spot, even if it's on the undercard. Don't don't like Myers the fighter, but don't really care for that one. Um, then you know, four Esau years Cruz, ago, yeah, four years ago yeah, was the last time he fought. I don't. That's I don't crazy. Like it. I, I, yeah, and, and really, why? Why here? And why put him on this? You know, I, I don't. I don't really yeah. like it. Uh, and then Isak Cruz, he isn't a real fight, you know, with Ramirez. So there's enter, I think there is entertainment value there. It's, but yeah. I, I think you know you make a good point. It's like with their Cruz fight and then Valenzuela, they're they're not like total setups where, you know. A, well, you're guaranteed a guy's just going to get highlight real KO'd. But I think even though the the opponents are respectable, and they are, I do think that PBCC guys are good enough to do that. And I think that – I just do think that's part, sure. like you said, the promotional aspect. That's what they're looking for. Because with, with Cruz fighting Ramirez – yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, this would just be 
you know, in the old days, I always look at this, you know, as I say, this would be a jump up, though, because Ramirez, he's, he's been fighting at 130 recently, but he really was a guy fighting at featherweight 126 and, you know, Cruz a lightweight. So that's a full class up. I think that's what they're looking at, too, is that, you know, even though Ramirez comes to fight, he's only got 12 KOs and 32 fights. Um, even though he is an aggressive, very aggressive fighter. Um, you know, so it matches up entertainment-wise with Cruz, but he, he was originally a featherweight. He's five foot six in height. Of course, Cruz is very short even for a lightweight, and that's what I've noticed with Cruz. I've said this before, and I think with him I've been pretty on with that. You know, if, if he's got to fight a guy that's tall, he has problems with his punch delivery system, but he's still aggressive enough and active enough and he's got enough fire that, that he can still win decisions against taller guys, but he, he doesn't look the same. But when you get a guy closer to his height, that's when the pit bull comes out and he looks, he looks real good and explosive and puts a lot of entertain extra entertainment value into it. And I think Ramirez falls into that class because he's going to be there. He's five, six, so still taller than Cruz, but you know, he, he's not real tall where, there's going to be one of those height disadvantages where Cruz can't get off with his punch delivery system. So I think during the course of this one, Cruz is going to catch him with something, but I don't necessarily see it being early, but I think before the end of it, and I think that's kind of what they got in mind with this matchup. But I do think a lot of, a lot of shots are going to be thrown in this, this fight. I do think this fight should be very entertaining as long as it lasts. And again, from the promotional aspect, you know, PBC doing a good job two weeks before Canelo. You know, they're they're pulling out their Mexican and Mexican-American stalwart, stalwarts, you know, looking for those fans and, you know, building their their brand with, with these guys. And, you know, it's definitely by design. And from a promotional standpoint, it's not a bad move because, you know, then you have Valenzuela. Who is, and I agree with you, you know, Isak Cruz gave Tank enough, a tough, enough of a fight. Tank needs opponents. You know, they want PBC opponents of a certain level to fight him. And, you know, Cruz, people like him, keeps winning with exposure spots. I agree with you. I mean, no no reason you won't see that rematch probably relatively soon. Um, mm-hmm. And then Valenzuela has had some explosively good-looking performances with, where he showed some devastating power and he can do a lot of things. Like you said, you know, De Los Santos, not not bad opponent. He's coming in late. I think that, you know, there were there were actually surprisingly to me, there were a few people out there saying like, oh, you know, Jezreel Corrales, he's gonna he's gonna give uh, you know Valenzuela a tough time and things like that. And I was like, nah, nah, that's that's not gonna happen. He's gonna get knocked out. Uh, so that's what I thought was gonna happen there, for what it's worth. Now you got a late substitute with a decent record, but the level of competition hasn't been that good. Um, I think Valenzuela should get a bomb in on him before it's over and, and get a big KO. And again, I think that's what these fights are about. I think Maris, just yeah. one more time, it's probably kind of like you said, just popularity level thing. I mean, been around, you know, appearances over the years on premium cable and things. And he's been, you know, showtime broadcaster, but I don't really like seeing him out there, but I, I, I in that part of it, I guess I get why he's on the card. But yeah, four years ago, 
the last fight. I know he was, you know, signed to fight Tank probably, what, 2018? 2018? 2018? 
you know, I agree with those phases. And then he had another phase I saw. It was kind of when he was trying to pot shot. I agree with you. But he he was kind of trying to do like a Floyd Mayweather boxing thing. And like he could win rounds. You know, it wasn't like even terrible at it, but it just wasn't his best style, you know. And uh, right, he would just like throw an occasional pot shot, and he was like kind of boxing, and he was out boxing these guys, but it just it just wasn't as entertaining. So, you know, I think when he fights, you know, like you and I have said, for whatever reason, they're they're and this is to the PBC people's credit. Like, I mean, I don't see like people who have nothing against PBC that hate Spencer. You know, I see all these people that hate Spencer for the most part. I don't want to say a hundred percent, but let, let's say 98%. <laughs> They're people that just hate PBC and then they, they hate Spencer. So um, I don't know. That's what, I, that's what I see out there, you know, a lot. Like I, I don't see like pe- people who, or supportive of PBC really knocking them that much, but I, but people that hate PBC, they, they love to hate Spencer. So um, he draws a lot of, he, he seems to draw a lot of hate. I, I just think you look at his physical stature that he has power and, you know, he can throw combinations, has some boxing skill, has some punching skill. And, you know, he fights at 154. I mean, I think there is some dynamic. I mean, the guy's only, what, 22 years old. Some dynamics of a Canelo-type fighter when he's, you know, fighting at his at his best. Now, what I think interesting about this um, Salgado matchup is Salgado, to me, didn't look that great against Perella, even though he got the draw. But, you know, we talked about Perella, too, with his flaws. I mean, I think Perella's better off when he stands and punches some, but chin might not be the best. And he, he gets cautious. He likes to protect it. You know, he just boxed the whole time against Salgado. And it was effective enough where it, it resulted in a draw, but wasn't enough to get Perella a clear win. Um, but why I mention that is Salgado though, did seem to me to have trouble with that kind of style, but you could tell his pops okay. I think here's what's interesting about this fight to me with Spencer and, and I have a dilemma even as a fan is because here's, here's what I think is for just winning this fight. It's not what's going to be exciting, but looking at Salgado, I got a feeling that for just winning the fight and playing it safe, Spencer can, can box him and win a decision that, that he's the better boxer and Salgado gets frustrated when he gets boxed. You can tell that with what Perella was doing to him. I actually do think Spencer's got enough skill to do that, and I think he could probably go the distance and outbox Salgado, but that's not going to be that entertaining. And what I think there is an entertaining scenario here with this fight that I got a feeling Salgado is he's got good pop and countering when somebody stands there with him and, and you know, punches with him. Um, and if, if Spencer wants to be entertaining and decides to do that, I'm not saying he's going to lose, but I think it'll open the door up for Salgado and, and you sure. might have, yeah. you might have an entertaining brawl where either guy could go. Um, Cause Spencer's got power, you know? So like I could see that being a scenario where maybe Spencer gets rocked and, and lands a bomb or, or, you know, maybe Salgado does get to him. But I do think there's a scenario in this fight that's not as exciting, but could very well happen where if Spencer, you know, looks at the tape, you know, with his father, father trains him, um, you know, for, for better or for worse. And, uh, 
and just decides, uh, you know, I can outbox this guy. I think he can do that for 10, and he'll get a solid win, but it won't be as exciting. Um, but if he decides, hey, I'm on Fox, I'm the headliner, uh, I'm sick right. of the critics, I feel entertaining, and it opens the door for Salgado, I think he could still win, but he, but he, he could get caught. It could be a, it, it could be a, a wild one while it lasts because I got a feeling that that is the style Salgado needs to look good um, and that he's probably pretty good at countering with somebody that, that stands there with him and has them pop doing it. So those are my two scenarios for that fight. I, I think it won't be as entertaining, but I think if Spencer decides to just box him, I, I think he can outbox him over the distance and, and just, you know, one of those move on to the next one fights, which I don't always believe in. I mean, when you're the headliner on Fox, you know, yeah, sometimes there is some risk and people say, well, just win and go to the next one. And I know what a loss can do to you. But on the other hand, you know, when you got a, when you got that kind of viewership, if, if you entertain, you know, you, you got a chance to build a following. So there really is, there really can right. be a dilemma there. You know, if he goes out to entertain, he's got power. Um, I think it's going to give Salgado an opening and, and it could be entertaining and a little back and forth and a little dramatic while it lasts going either way. But I think if Spencer just chooses to box him over the distance, I think, I think he can, I think he can outbox him. So that's the way I see that one going. And then Aline Plania, you know, Plania upset Greer a little bit back. You know, he's kind of, he's an up, he's one of these up and down guys that yeah, when he looks good, good he can look surprisingly good but you don't know exactly what you're going to get there. Um, and, you know, Leem's had some close ones, but I like him a lot. Um, getting a little older for the weight, though. Um, you know, even some guys hanging around, but they're usually fighting older, other older fighters at the weight or maybe people that aren't that good. You know, you got to watch in those low weights, like, you know, below featherweight. Um, when you're an older fighter, you you got to be careful who you're in with. Now, it's, it's not that, you know, plenty is that young for the week. So I'm not saying that's coming into play necessarily Saturday, but uh, it's something to keep in mind when you got 122 pounders. Um, but I, I think it's an, it's an entertaining style mesh. Um, Aline's right. a, a good guy to watch fight and plenty of, you know, he, he can be, and uh, it should be a good one. I, I think Aline will win this one in the end, but uh, it should be a, should be a really good should be a really good fight. I, I think a lean probably by decision, um, but it, probably a tight one. I think it'll I think it'll be a good fight. I mean, I think PBC just when I thought they were done with it, as we had talked right before they announced it, literally you and I probably about a day before they put these two fights on Fox. They bumped up the lean fight now to regular Fox. So oh, they did. Uh, that's okay. good for yeah. So they, they just apparently did that. the that's... fight yeah. They just did that. So it's apparently not it's been bumped up to, It's now been bumped up to Fox, apparently. So, okay, so it's a doubleheader on Fox. Doubleheader on Fox now. That's a good chance okay. for exposure. And, and like you said, fights where if there is the rare casual huh. channel flipper left could could find some entertainment value, certainly in those two fights. And i got to keep going back to it because it does matter. Um, you know, you had it shocked me. I said it a lot of times, but got to say it again because you know last Christmas Spencer on Christmas night, a non-traditional boxing night, getting over two million, well over two million. You know Spencer's been seen, so you know this is this is and this is how PBC has properly built guys over the long haul. They have been patient with it. I think 
PBC does understand that, even if sometimes you don't get ideally the rating you want, you just add those raw numbers up compared to your competitors. Like, again, people who maybe hate Joey Spencer, they just, you know, don't want to accept it. You know, if, if like he gets, you know, over 2 million CM on the Mill Mickey card he was on. And then those other Fox appearances, like you talked about, I mean, he's yeah, done a lot of those. Openers, yep. I mean, yeah, I mean, even if those were like a million apiece, 900,000, you know, you start adding them up, though. And what people don't like, like, look, here's something that people would laugh at, but it's the truth. And it's you could say, oh, the Americans or something, but it's it's who's getting exposure and, and who for whatever people care about or just the way the sport is like. I'm not exaggerating when I see this. I mean, nobody in the U.S. has seen Joshua Nusik. You know, we just talked about it. I mean. Say what you right. will about it. I mean, I understand it's top heavyweights, and I always believe heavyweights the flagship division. But here's where the sport, you know, in the U.S., which is still always ends up being the, the bigger market with the biggest money overall, so it matters. I mean, I think people that are honest always say you got to say it matters. Like you got to be in reality here. Like I mean, whether whether it seems cockamamie crazy or not, I mean, people are are seeing. You know, Joey Spencer, or they're going to be, even on pay-per-view, they're going to be talking more about Andy Ruiz and Luis Ortiz. I'm not saying it's going to be mainstream, but, I mean, there's going to be more exposure for these guys. I mean, then you're then you're getting, like, when you got Joshua Nusik, you know, getting, getting announced by DAZN barely a week before the fight. It wasn't even a week, was it? Uh, you know, that's going to be yeah, on DAZN. Right, yeah. And then it's on DAZN. Yeah, it was a week of. That doesn't even yeah, the week of, and then it's on the zone that doesn't even have, you know, you know, many people subscribing in the U.S. So I, I, I say that because you know whatever the future of U.S. boxing is going to be, where where the most money co- comes. I mean, you know, you've got this thing with the Middle East now, but and you know a lot of U.S. was sightseeing with Vegas and stuff, and back in the day, Atlantic City, and I think Atlantic City will come back, but um, you know that. That's just because the Middle East is just paying money for it to be there. I mean, there's there's yeah. no real other interest. You know, it's not like you know, it's not like there's there's particular interest in these fights in these places. I mean, it's just they can purchase boxing and get it there. So I'm just saying that wherever we're going to have going forward, I mean, you know, some of this exposure, like what what a what Aleem is going to be getting and and Joey Spencer is going to be getting Saturday whether it makes sense to you or not, it's going to be more than a ton of other fighters out there. Yeah, that's, that's very true. And I am glad because that's what we kind of originally thought that, that, that both of those would be on Fox, but then it looked like FS1 and Fox. So that's, uh, I hadn't heard that. So that's, uh, that's really good. I'm glad that that's, they changed that. But if something goes on, it, it was scheduled FS1, so just a heads up out there if you're wondering where the hell is it or something, and it, whatever you know that type of thing. But yeah, yeah I thought I, uh, it was a reliable, it was a reliable source within maybe the last two weeks where I okay. saw that they were safe. That the you would know where to look if it wasn't, but that the lean's supposed to be bumped up to red, which kind of makes sense. You know they can get yeah, and that's kind of what they've done uh, on the two-hour slot usually. Uh, before the pay-per-views, you know, they have a two hour slot. They had two fights. I think, uh, I forgot. It was the, the Cuban prospects heavyweights going head to head, which was a damn good fight. And there was a Frank Martin or I think it was Frank Martin on the main event. If I remember correctly, either way, 
Um, that yeah, yeah, I mean that was good. Yeah, I, I, and you know I do like this fight. Like you said, Plania. I think he. I think the ring has him like tenth or ninth. I don't think the transnational has him ranked, but he's right in that realm. Um, like right. you said, the co- summer of COVID, uh, 2020, he did beat Joshua Greer Jr. in that one uh, a while back. I remember that Payano, that Juan Carlos fight, where uh, he was in the fight. He knocked him down in like the second or third round or something like that. Um, you know, he, he ended up losing the 10-rounder, but he is a, he is a game fighter. And it, it is a real fight. And, and, and another thing is it sucks that the ranking systems are so messed up as far as, like, you know, no matter what you you look at for the most part. But you see, you know, Planea is actually higher in a lot of these rankings, if you look at the, the alphabet, higher than Aleem. And so it's like if he beats him, clearly Aleem wants to get a big fight. And sometimes you have to force through the mandatory. Um, and who knows what happens next if uh, Fulton has one more fight with, you know, it sounds like Neri because MJ is going to be out for the rest of the year. I'm thinking it's going to be Luis Neri, and then he'll probably go up to, to featherweight anyway. So then it will come free probably anyway. But uh, just on that note, it's a good quality fight. Uh, I think Aleem's like within the four to six reigns, uh, you know, ranked whether whether it's transnational or ring, and so you know he's a top right around top five, top seven. So it's it's a good fight. It's a quality fight, and uh, either way, it's going to help him if he wins Aleem. But yeah, I agree. It could be six to four or seven to three. My my feeling is kind of like seven to three. I could see it get really tight and be six four. I could see maybe the first four rounds being competitive, and Aleem kind of outskills them. Uh, down the stretch and, and just wins, a, you know, wins a clean but close competitive fight, which is always fun to watch. I'm right there with you with Spencer. Um, when you're talking about, you know, the look good and move on next time, I think that's more of a top-level fight, right? You know what I mean? When you're facing the top, top guys, right? if you're going to outbox someone because you're literally the only thing this guy can do at a at a top elite level is come forward and and try to knock you out, well, maybe in that fight, okay, cool. You have one fight where you box and pot shot and win the rounds and, and play a little more safe. You come back, you look good. But on this level, I do think that uh, is it, it is important to try to clearly win the rounds uh, instead of coasting, you know, unless it's late or whatever. But I, I think you broke down that Spencer-Selgato fight really well, kind of on the same page with that, and it will be interesting to see what Joey Spencer shows up because we've seen kind of both in there. So, and obviously, you know, whoever wins this fight is going to move on and move up at 154. And we know PBC is invested heavy at 154 uh, still. Um, so it is a, it is a good night of fights. And when you have an Andrew Ruiz, like I mentioned, you know, once people started finding out this, about this fight, like the common fans, you know, I like to use the word common fan rather than casual fan because common fans were hardcores at one point and they'll keep track maybe month by month. A casual fan is probably going to buy a fighter to a year and it probably was Pacquiao or Canelo or Mayweather, you know, or 
or the Wilder Fury or whatever, you know, and, and they'll they'll see highlights, they'll keep up with the sport, but they keep up from it from it on social media, uh, maybe watch an interview, watch a press conference that popped off, something that went viral. They're they're watching a handful of fights or an events I should say throughout the year, whereas the common boxing fan maybe once a month, uh, maybe on a good you know because the, one of their favorite fighters are fighting. It's twice a month or something like that. And, and I did get multiple people talk about Andy Ruiz because, you know, of what he did in 2019. So, you know, I already have people to watch the fight with. So I don't even have to uh, just share it with one person or myself. So it, when I start to look at a, a night of entertainment, I am on board on this one. And I remember us talking, hey, back when it was Ortiz and Martin, I sure wish that if you're going to put it on pay-per-view, it at least be Ruiz and in Ortiz, uh, rather than, but it would it would be nice if we're being honest that if it was a forty dollar one, that's for sure. But I do like it. Um, but we've talked about now. Let's get into the pay per view stuff. We talked about pay per view a lot this year. Everybody has because we've been you know we've been hit up a lot with it. Whether it is coming from Fox or Showtime or ESPN or even DAZN now pay per views, and then you have the lower level pay-per-views that we mentioned you know i mentioned it a couple times already kevin farmer and mickey bay was going to be 30 bucks on fight tv triller it's like 30 bucks for that like what i don't get that you know um just random stuff you know it, it happens but um you know like the thurman barrios as a full price main event just to use the example from this year is not sustainable um the the Fury White even during the day with no commercials, that's not sustainable. But they didn't fight here, so they, that was just kind of extra stuff. But you know, I'm wondering if that Fury uh, Usyk, which is rumored for February potentially, right around the Super Bowl time, um, I wonder if they're going to try to get that on one on ESPN Plus because of the the quote unquote major site fee, which they could be selling the fight directly to them like Eddie did. We don't know, but it'll be healthy regardless. So I do think that will transition into hopefully that'll be on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd rather have it on regular ESPN, but I'm not going to get greedy. If they put it on ESPN+, Plus instead of pay-per-view, sign me up. But, you know, a lot of this stuff is not sustainable overall. Some of it is. We talked about a couple of weeks ago. Where is the PBC, the rest of the roster, going to go? Does that Showtime Paramount Plus stuff that just came out officially now with the bundle and turning that into one app, does uh, Showtime, CBS, and Paramount, which is all connected, same thing, basically, do they take on more of those spike cards uh, throughout the, the next coming years and put it on Paramount? which has like 45 million subscribers here or 43 or whatever it was. Do they do that? Or, you know, are they working a Fox deal behind closed doors? It doesn't feel like it is, but we don't know. Like I said, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about how we are in an area where something's got to give with the PBC dates, just because I'll mention it again. They had 12 FS1 cards a year and then 10 Fox cards. Now about two of them would be used as a, infomercial a lot of times uh and sometimes there were good fights too whatever as pay-per-views just be like hey here's a fight by the way there's a there's a big fight i remember uh fa was in a tough fight a competitive fight on that 
Uh, but either way, my point is um, having 10 and 12 and all these pay-per-views lined up, or, you know, we, we heard about uh, we heard about um, Progre and Zapata now made the, the guy who, the, the gentleman who bid that 2.4 sounds like he may be selling that on pay-per-view. So that'd be six pay-per-views to close um, in four months. You know what I mean? So obviously that's overdoing it. And I did want to, I guess my thing is though, to relate it to boxing over the last 20, 30 years of pay-per-view, this is nothing new. You know what I mean? We got lucky for a while where it was mostly Mayweather and Pacquiao. They'd throw in the Canelo. They'd throw in Cotto against the name. But we have gotten, you know, we, we've kind of gone up and down over the years. And we mentioned how in 2008, HBO did eight pay-per-views. In 2006, they did 10. Now, when you look at that, that the names on in that 2006, you could see why there was only one really bad pay-per-view. Otherwise, most of them did 300000 or above. That wasn't necessarily the case in 2008. That's where it kind of fell off. But the thing that gets me, though, is in a lot of it, when we talk about the PBC and some of the hate they get, and some of it started from the media, if we're being honest, sometimes it's like, People romanticize the past, John, and where it's like they sit there and be like, well, if it, if it wasn't budgeted to do 300000 in more pay-per-views, they wouldn't even put it on pay-per-view. You know, I can agree with people that say Thurman and Barrio shouldn't be a pay-per-view main event, full price. I'm with you there, no doubt about it. But to act like there wasn't pay-per-view, pay-per-view has been a re- – we've gone up and down with it, but it, it kind of irks me at some time. You'll even see like – very, you know, long-time writers in, in popular podcasts retweeting comments like, oh, HBO would never put this on pay-per-view and stuff like that. It's like, it, ten years ago, this wouldn't be on pay-per-view. It's like, dude, clearly you're not that hardcore of a fight fan because you got to be out of your mind. There's been so many independent, um, you know, pay-per-views over the years. And it's funny because I started digging into this topic and – not to try to be too long-winded, I will let you take over here for a second about this, but I literally have a list that I'll fly through with, with the vague numbers. Well, not that vague, but pretty concrete numbers. And some of these names, like even Holyfield Tony in 2003 did 150,000 buys. Um, you know, just, just stuff where you go, oh, that was on pay-per-view? Oh, you know, uh, even JCC uh, Jr., um, against Yvonne Robinson did about 100,000 buys. Because remember, JCC Jr. was on several pay-per-views because they thought, hey, we don't have to give them a huge guarantee back then. We're building them up, but we could just make name, you know, we could make a little money, little revenue off the off the name. Roy Jones Jr. Uh, fought Eric Harding, and it did 125,000 pay-per-view buys. He fought Julio Cesar Gonzalez, too, and it did 200,000 buys. I guess a lot of people thought, well, you know, basically, I, I get this theme, John, of if, if you're not doing a million pay-per-views, it shouldn't be on pay-per-view. And that's just, we can have that discussion, but if you've watched it long enough, that's just bullshit. You know, we've seen Tommy Gunn and Roy Jones on pay-per-view. We, we've seen these guys, even like, like a guy like Barrera, and Morales, they tried to put them on pay-per-view a little too early 
or they just went for the short money and, and, and were like, you know what, we'll, we'll we'll make it up on this, you know, on this like we'll make it up on the on 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 the pay per view, you know, on this guarantee. Uh, like for instance, Morales fought Carlos Hernandez, who had fought uh, Mayweather very gamely at that time, 150,000 buys. You know what I mean? Uh, there's I just I get, even Oscar De La Hoya fought Wilfredo Rivera on pay per view and it did about two hundred and fifty thousand. De La Hoya fought Jernanda Hernandez and it did about two twenty five, two fifty. So they've been doing it, and, and at least you're you're doing it with Oscar because you know what you're doing it. But even Morales against Iola or Iola that was a hundred thousand, one hundred thirty thousand buys. Chris Bird against Jamil McCline was like under one hundred twenty thousand buys. Like. This has existed for so long, um, and it's short money. But I just like to put stuff in perspective and show, you know, and talk about, hey, this is a this is a timely subject because we've just got berated with a bunch of pay per views this year. Oh no, I, I completely agree with you, Chris. And as historian of the sport, and I've always paid close attention to the broadcast part of it too. I have background in that and it's, it's always interested me I mean you're absolutely right and, and here's kind of my take on that and of course you know you had closed circuit TV going around back to the Ali days and I'm not saying you back then you couldn't even find a clunker here and there but I think to me this is always a, a fair history of that part of the sport in terms of the problems we're talking about I mean, you're absolutely right what you laid out and here's where I think it kind of went um, um, the, the initial Initially, when HBO, you go way back when they got into the sport with premium cable, they actually weren't that big of a player. Um, you know, they, they got some fights, but it wasn't always the best stuff. I mean, because, you know, then you would have the best really on network or, you know, then it was closed circuit TV, which would be like pay-per-view now. Um, and, you know, then most of the stuff being on network, but, you know, a little bit on HBO. Th- then you got into – as you got into the early eighties, um, this, cause this to me is then one of the first things that damaged the sport. You, you got to the early and mid eighties and yeah, you could pull out when there were still fights on network TV, but then that's when you started the slow migration of fights that were on regular TV going over to the premium cable, which was HBO and then Showtime got into the game. Now, and they threw a lot right of money. They basically stuff. overpaid HBO did for right. these fights. That's how they got them. Right, and and then then when it got worse though was around. So then you had the premium cable aspect where you had to subscribe to that, but you know you got other stuff with HBO and Showtime, a lot of movies. Remember, yeah. you had no Netflix back then and stuff like that. So, you know, there was still a lot of viewership. Lot of great fights too, when you look back at. It. Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking like, you know, where you, you kind of, you know, you, you had like then then you had a fight like. This is almost, to me, not the very start of it, but it's kind of like where you were starting to get that. Like, you know, prior Arguello one was like like a big fight. Like, regular HBO, you know, had that. that that's right. almost like was around – because then the second one was on pay-per-view. So it was almost like – that was almost like the peak around that of, you know, something you were getting on, re- on regular HBO live. And then – you know, for then really fights like kind of that big, you were getting pay-per-view. But when it really then shifted was, and I and I knew at the time I'd been following boxing long enough, and it did turn out this way. I knew it was going to be bad, 
and it did end up being bad because it was the first thing that led to the stuff you're talking about. You got then around 1991 where initially they wanted to do it under the guise. They were trying to fool you until it was something else. Basically, it was the start of what you talked about. All of a sudden, but they were they were pretty good fights, but still it was stuff that you right. wouldn't have had to pay for before then. It was when HBO created TVKO. And remember, they had their own mm-hmm. separate announcers. They started off with Len Berman and Joe Goosa. That's how long Joe's been around. He that goose, was where yep, he first yep. got into broadcasting. <laughs> so they were trying to they were trying to do a guise at first, like we're not really HBO ripping you off with you got to pay twenty. It was twenty bucks back then too. It was funny, right? Yeah, the nineteen ninety money, but still wasn't like it wasn't the equivalent of like a hundred bucks today or probably the 75 would have been probably the equivalent of like the 40 today, you know? So, and I remember Adam, right. he was involved too, behind the scenes selling to you like, well, you know, it's once a month and we're going to keep the price low. And I, and I knew enough at that point, I was, I, I was getting less naive at that point in my life. You know, I was like, no, mm-hmm. this is going to start out at this and they're going to jack it up and there's going to be shit, shit fights on there after a while. And of course that did happen, but you know, the first couple ones that they had, you're like, oh, this is, you know, yeah, maybe I can live with this. Like, cause you had like Tony McCallum one. I remember that, you know, and, th- and that was a great yep. fight. We still talk about it today, but you know, that was like in the very early days of that. Then you had Holmes Mercer where they got lucky in that sense with the huge upset. We still talk about that one today. So people are thinking now look, looking back younger people, oh, what were you guys complaining about? But remember this was stuff we, we didn't have to pay for before that, that was going to be on our HBO and because they did this, then you had to you go into your pocket again. And then, you know, closed circuit just became pay-per-view because that was a better technology. You could watch it in your house. So, you know, you right. still yep. have those yep. coming up, Holyfield, Foreman. But then, then it, to me, in, in my history of boxing TV, then that, that just simply was bad. And then it, I, I draw a really long line. I think that then – you know, Showtime got into it doing the same thing, but it just got progressively worse with all the bad shows you've talked about. And you could go through pulling out all kinds of crazy bad ones that were on pay-per-view after that and stuff. To me, that kind of went right up 2015, which was kind of like the peak and the death of it at the same time to me. Like, because you had Mayweather Pacquiao, which was the holy grail in terms of sales, that everybody's trying to get to, but even the, what the thing that even the boxing power brokers understood was, and look, it's, it's even proven when you look back at it, it was just those two guys and they even kind of right. knew that. So yeah, I mean, I mean, guys like Al Heyman knew that, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, mm-hmm. it's not that they didn't know that. I mean, I think, uh, you know, Steven Espinosa knew that. I mean, I think like people in the sport knew that like, yeah, okay. We hit the Holy grail, but it's these two guys. So some people want to be optimists in the sport, just trying to throw Hail Mary passes. We're thinking, you know, somehow I got to, I got to, you know, get a guy that's going to become the Pacquiao Mayweather. And that wasn't happening right. because look what happened. Even Pac, even Pacquiao himself, after that point, even his numbers went into a study fade. Now, Floyd said, well, look little, how long both of them took to get to even be on paper. Look how many quality exactly. wins they got doing 400,000 and down or not even on pay-per-view. Right, right. That was a long, it was a long road and it was a long road for both of them to, to get Oscar known. To Oscar De La Hoya, main... right? <laughs> that was the key. Yeah. 
Yeah, right, exactly. That was the key for Floyd. And then, you know, of course, Pacquiao also fought De La Hoya. Of course, you know, when De La Hoya was more, even more at the end. But they both got, you know, Manny Pacquiao not quite as much as Floyd Mayweather, but they both got known in the U.S. mainstream. I mean, let's face it again. Why did these guys make that kind of money? That was still in recent enough history seven years ago. I mean, that's in the U.S. So remember, people don't forget that. They know that's there. So, you know, and then McGregor, I mean, Mayweather did it against McGregor. Um, I thought that event even worked out better than a lot of other people did. The undercard was terrible, but, you know, it sold huge. It, it had a weird, to me, I, I still do think it had a weird intrigue to it. I mean, you know, Floyd Mayweather was getting old, you know. I mean, when you, when you get old, I mean, you just, hey, I mean, you know, it's still, you know, and I think he even does that. you got to be in shape. You know, you can't take any chances. So a little intrigue. But, I mean, so that's still so. But then Pacquiao's numbers were fading. I mean, he's getting older, but his number's fading. Let's face it. He he was not able to keep pulling, really, on his own, which is kind of interesting because it takes two to, to tango and put up those kind of numbers. But Manny, Manny faded after that. Um better than the others, but he faded. And I think he got to around 2015 where that's like where Al Heyman was the first to do it. And then I, I think Aram kind of, cause HBO was kind of in, in a weird way, getting him the boot too. Cause the, what they were giving him at that point was getting so low level. But, but first it was Heyman, you know, with his guys saying, we've got to now look at the long game and, you know, try to create, the new Mayweather and Pacquiao's, even though it's going to take a long time. And to do that, these guys got to be seen in the U S you know, they got to be people that people in the U S care about. And see, to me, that was the start that even got me reinvigorated with boxing when, when, you know, Al Heyman and PBC did that because it needed to be done. Look, love him or hate him. Dana White said it too. He said, Hey, Al Heyman's doing something. This had to be done with boxing. Nobody was doing anything, which was the truth. So, Al Heyman did, and he was doing time buys. They were, you know, they were taking the chance. You know, the investors doing the time buys. So to me, 2015 was even though you had the holy grail of Mayweather Pacquiao, that was when the whole thing collapsed. Though otherwise, in other words, it just and even Bob Arum started to say stuff like that, and it was the truth. I mean, it wasn't sustainable because, you know, that's why you're just giving garbage to HBO because it, it just wasn't wasn't selling enough for what they had to pay the guys. And, and, uh, you know, I want the fighters to make money, but you do have marketing aspects to this too. I mean, and so, you know, then Heyman goes out there with PBC, they do the time buys, they get some guys better known. I think just because of boxing politics and competition, they probably, in my estimation, I've said this before, I still believe it. They probably went back to the pay-per-view heavy, a little earlier than they would have liked and planned. You know, I think they would have liked to have build, built for a longer period of time. Um, because now, now what I think, and I've been saying this, Chris, when, we, when you and I have been talking about this recently, and I think I, I'd have to think of maybe when this got started. But now to me, yeah, it's what you said is true, but I think there was like a, a golden period starting with PBC in 2015. And remember, they put – you know, Thurman and Porter, you know, on CBS, Thurman Garcia, yep. there was a real effort there. I mean, you know, and, and then, you know, ESPN followed suit by bringing top rank on board. And initially their stuff was kind of crummy, even going on there. But, you know, then you got some stuff like Lomachenko on there and, you know, Crawford. 
I mean, you know, again, it's free, free basic cable. Um, so I think that there was like a little bit to me of like a golden period where there was a consciousness like, hey, we can't run all these pay-per-views. It's a loser. And, you know, even Bob Arum started saying stuff like that. I mean, he may yeah. be. I was lying yesterday. Today I'm telling the truth, but it doesn't mean everything yeah, the yeah. guy says. He is only not started true. saying it you know once, he mean? Could, like, once he didn't have a pay per view seller, you know. <laughs> right. I mean, but yeah, I, I sure, understand, right. Don't very don't get me wrong. I understand that, but he did say the truth but at very that point. True, like, though. Yeah, then yeah, when yeah. H- of course, yeah. when, when HBO kind of booted him, then he said, "Christ, nobody can sell a pay per view anymore. We got to get some guys on ESPN and stuff, and and it's got to." Which yeah. was true at that point. You know, people got to see these guys. We got to we got to build something back up. I mean, I think that part was true. Al Heyman was trying to do it. Um, and, and that's why I can even go back in into my own history because this it really was. Why I was railing against the zone during that period was exactly what we're talking about because I thought the sport needs guys to be seen. You know what I mean? Like even if it's for their own reasons, sure. you know, Aram and Heyman are trying to get guys out there seen now. We don't need this operator coming into the u.s that nobody knows you know throwing around cash i want the fighters to make money but then making them become invisible basically um to the general u.s public, yeah in which, rising the tide of everybody else's guarantee you know the top 25 revenue guys in the sport their stuff went way up too you know just like right, other people right. see when they came on and and, and overshadowed uh, hbo with their finances you know what i mean that's exactly. part so of the reason why some of these fights aren't pay-per-view right now, you know? Right. So even at the least, even if it turned out to be a scam, which it was, and at least for them that little period, I, that's why I was really against the zone. But at least at that point, they were only charging nine bucks a month if you got the yearly or whatever. You know, now they're doing pay-per-view. Sure, yeah. and, that, and now, you know, frankly, PBC's overdoing it. But they're not the only ones. I mean, Top Rank has held off some, the Fury White, you know, was was a reach. Um, they threw it out there, like you said. Uh, but this is we're getting into the bad period now. Like, yeah, because you know stuff yeah. like that was getting thrown out there. Top Rank's not doing it as much, but they still did it there. They did it with Crawford Porter. Um, you know, they knew Con. I mean, Con, obviously Con Crawford Tank. That's why they they stopped for a while. Then, right. you know, they were going to jump in, and they realized, hey, it, it's it's not. Yeah, that I mean, much they haven't done many. Like the Crawford Con. Crawford Porter, um, besides the Fury Fury White with uh, Fox, yep, but then Fury White, right? right. Um, so that kind of brings to where we are. So I think what, and, and this has gotten me down a little bit lately with some of the stuff in the sport because you can look at individual fights and say that's pretty good, but if because of pay per view nobody sees them, and then even if you're in the general public, and then if you are hardcore, you got to reach into your wallet for every mediocre fight out there. Even hardcore people turn off on that after a while. Let's face it. I mean, it, it, you get the shortage. Yeah. So you start to pick and choose. You know, you start to pick and choose. Like, oh, I'm not doing that one. You know, right? Oh, unfortunately, I think now we're going back. See, I always call that like the pre-2015, where the pay-per-view thing was yeah. going bust overall, outside of Mayweather-Pacquiao, and then so I think we're going back pre-2015. That's a bad thing. So. Yeah, it's just what you said. It was going on to me from, like, the early 90s on a deteriorating level where it was getting worse till about 2015 right. where it just kind of blew up outside of Mayweather-Pacquiao. It, it kind of imploded. It kind of collapsed. Um, so, you know, to me, okay, seven years later, to think they can go back to that, 
some building was done. You know, guys like Errol Spence, Wilder, um, you know, Crawford was on ESPN. Uh, some guys have gotten some exposure, but it has the numbers haven't really been huge, and a lot of guys haven't gotten that exposure. So, you know, now we're now we're going back to the pre-2015 days, and and I don't know if a lot of these guys. I mean, even even Tank. I mean, Stephen Espinoza says it straight out why, and, and I know where he's coming from because right. they're streamers. Like you know, the zone doesn't have to release their numbers, and you know, so he said, hey, "Why should we keep releasing ours?" You know what? I get that. I understand where he's coming from, and I'm not saying. I mean, they keep going to it, but and you know, I know people talk about the gates, but we don't we don't know exactly what Tank's numbers are. I mean, right. And I, it's not that I'm just talking about him, but I'm just saying, like, you know, I mean, and, and it's it's worse for the zone stuff. Don't get me wrong, and I'm sure Crawford contact. So you know, you can put it on everybody, but I'm just saying, like, whatever the numbers are, they're not so great that they're out there either. You know, so I mean, like Wild yeah. Fury, we know, yeah, the, the we know Wild, get out there. yeah, true. We we know Wild Fury for this era again for this era. I mean, they did pretty good with their second and third fights. I mean, you know, heavyweights. And even their first fight, considering neither had been on pay-per-view. Thing when you get heavyweights that people want to see, um, you know, that's still where the, the a lot of times where the money is. I mean, uh, so you had that. That's why I keep saying I'd like to see these heavyweight things. I'd like to see more heavyweights built up, especially in the U.S., even if they're fighters from overseas who are basing themselves here or fighting here a lot. I, I'd like to see more of that because – Again, get, getting back to it, it is a good example. I mean, look, Joshua Hearn abandoned the U.S. approach with Joshua. Usyk, you know, didn't have exciting fights really when he was over here. Um, they were okay, but they weren't throwing anybody because you know they were talking about Top Rank had him. Then they were going to do something with him. They kind of went away from it, kind of abandoned it. Um, the guy, they just just didn't build up here enough. And, you know, then being on the zone, there was nothing there. So I think we're, to me, I don't like this part. We're, we're, in, we're going back to the 2000, the pre-2015 days. I'm with you all the way. This is what's going on in a bad way. But, I mean, we're getting back to that now. And I just look at this fall. I, I tweeted out within the last week or two. I mean, something's got to give. I mean, you've got – Yeah. I, mean, I don't like the, I don't like that Ruiz Ortiz is 75 bucks. I mean, this should have been another 40 bucker um, to me mm-hmm. to build off that one that they had. Because I, I ended up liking that Ruiz Martin yeah. card. I, and with that whole night of boxing, mm-hmm. I didn't feel ripped off for 40 bucks. Um, no, no, not at all. I, Martin card. I, I really didn't. I didn't feel – I felt I got my money's worth. We had Faust and Kalizi. I mean, that was crazy. We're, we're willing um, to meet you know, them halfway. You know, if you, right. we'll, we'll, we'll meet you halfway. Right. If you, if you want to get this one for 40 this weekend – Hey man, I'm down for it. You know, I, I'm still right. going to get well, it, but I, you know, how much more can you do? Like you said, you know, right. how many how more of these so, can you do? Yeah, right. So we so start out with this one. This is 75. Period. Then you you got Canelo, Golovkin three, which with even with Bam Rodriguez, he's not in a competitive matchup. That that's a garbage undercard. I mean, that's that's just garbage. So yeah, you got yeah, Canelo, Triple G three with a garbage undercard undercard on the zone which for a lot of reasons because they have to buy time uh if they want a lot of people to hear the ads you know they, they can't market it as well in the u.s so 
you know, you got that one. I, I mean, you know, we are reaching a point where we're not. I mean, we saw Canelo's PBC numbers when he fought Plant, but we're not seeing his other numbers anymore. And uh, you got to right. figure that they're probably, well, even though it's Canelo, they're probably not good. So, um, you know, for him at the very least. So yeah, his, that that's level. another one you got that's 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 going to be full priced. And then, you know, I think Wilder for this era of boxing, I'm I'm I've always liked him, but I mean, I I don't think it's a stretch. I think. Even some of the detractors are almost kind of agreeing at this point. Like after those Fury pay-per-views and fights and coming off fight of the year, you know, like for this era, he's a star. But, you know, he's fighting Hellenius. Not a not a horrible fight, but, you know, pay-per-view, card matchup with, you know, Plant Durrell. I mean, that's attractive enough. Yeah, and there's but... some other cards that are uh, fights that might be pretty good on that. But but to your point, you know, I, yeah, full again, another full, so... another full another full pricer. And, you know, we're hoping for Spence Crawford and, you know, that we're all, right. all going to get, but, you know, you know, that's going to be, that's going to be a full pricer. Um, and then Gervonta. And, you know, that's right. And, right. And then if Tank fights, I mean, they're going pay-per-view only with him. Um, now, Canelo has said this week, he's going to, at least he's just saying it, uh, he is going to just sit it out for the rest of the year um, after mm-hmm. this one. So there will not be another Canelo. Um, because his uh, he's always now going to pay pay per view again, um, but it's just uh, it's just you know it's just it's just too it's just too much. I mean you know you, you can't in yeah. the U S. people even even the hardcores there's just there's just no way. So um, and, and you know it's getting to the point. I, you want the fighters to make money. That's that's the that's the dichotomy of it is you want the fighters to make money, but. And you know, you know, the pay per view's got a lot to do with paying the fighters. But, but this is the numbers we don't get to see much. Even for some people that investigate, maybe we'll have to talk to Al Dawson about this. I mean, it's yeah. amazing for the sport how, with people talk about all this stuff. It's surprising they can keep it this tight. You know, we never really hear exactly what the promoters make in these fights. I mean, because yeah, that's true. the number we kind of need. To, we kind of need to look at now. Like in other words. Yeah, everybody's got the right to make money, but it's always real quiet, too. Like, you know, we don't know, and that goes to all the promotions, you know. Mm-hmm. We don't know what Hearn's taken in on, you know, Canelo, Golovkin 3. You know, we don't know exactly what PBC and their promotional apparatus has taken in on this Louise Ortiz this weekend. And, you know, they're going to tell you, oh, we don't make, you know, we're not making hardly anything. But we don't know. We don't, we're not hearing See, what right. I'm saying is until I know that exact number, like, I'm That's thinking, true. okay, well, we got to pay the fighters, but, but I don't know what they're taking. You know, you know what I mean? Like, right. you, know, you know, we don't know exactly what they're taking from it. So, you know, like, if I think we could all agree on that. If there's anybody that, that should take a cut, it's those guys. I mean, they can make some money, but they can be the ones that take the cut. So, you know, we don't know. I mean, we know, okay, supposedly to pay the fighters, but, but what, are, what, are, what are the promoters, you know, what, what are the promoters in these organizations, you know, make, making out of this? And the managers are exactly lapping up, that's for sure. <laughs> right. Managers and, are know, doing pretty and, good. <laughs> yeah, and TV, if they're doing it, they're still getting something out of it. So what are they, right. you know, like, see, that's the thing when we get these rip-off cards, you, you don't really – we don't really get a good read on exactly what, what TV and the promoters are making. And of course they're always going to tell you nothing, but we don't know that that's the case. Well, even with the Fox thing, even with the Fox thing, if you look at their jump off from 
Well, I guess technically it started like December 2018, that deal. Now that I think about it with the Charla doubleheader. But from that time until COVID, Fox, you know, was delivering pretty interesting stuff. FS1 cards, yeah. sometimes they'd be mid-level, and they turn out better than we thought. Now, there'd be those quick little knockouts, as we just mentioned in the opener. And, you know, sometimes you're going to have mediocre cards. That's part of it when you have so many damn cards, so many fighters, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, the, the hope as a hardcore fight fan is that COVID, clearly COVID fucked up the budget for PBC. That, that's clear because the shoulder programming was out. And, you know, there was less cards. And you could tell. You could tell. So are they – it is kind of weird that they decided to extend it another year just to do these four events um, where they have four Fox cards and four pay-per-views on the same night. That is kind of strange. And maybe we will get a continuation and we can get back to what we were doing before. We don't know that, though. We have no clue about that. We've talked about it a couple weeks ago. In the coming months, we are going to get – a much more better picture from the PBC side of things anyway, um, where this goes, or like I said, maybe this Paramount Showtime bundle, maybe that's Showtime's answer to go, hey, dude, what we want to actually put take on more PBC fights, and we will put you on Paramount, which has a bigger exposure. And so we don't know that until we know one thing's going to happen. Like I said, either Heyman's going to drop fighters in a lot of them, or he's going to get a deal. That's just, there's no in-between, right? Because it, it just based off, we talked about how many dates he had in that Fox deal. We haven't heard all these fighters leave yet. So <clears throat> something's got to give. These guys aren't, and that's probably why these cards are built so deeper so we can get guys out and they're still good fights. Um, and that, that's probably what it is. But this thing isn't sustainable, uh, how it goes that way. And just adding on, like you said, you know, around the 2000s, HBO had a $100 million budget. Slowly but surely, the ratings, the greed, the budget, all that stuff fell. They did start to put on stuff on pay-per-view that normally wouldn't have been. And I like how you marked the 2015, but right around 2010, you know, they had kind of learned, like, okay, hang on. You know, I, I, mar- I t- talked about the 2006, 2008 they, all of a sudden, the pay-per-views decreased, and it was mostly uh, Mayweather and Pacquiao. You had uh, Canelo Angulo around that time frame from 2010 to 2015. That did 350000 But to your point about top rank, they had to put Crawford Postal, which is a damn good fight. It's for lineal, but it would have been better on HBO. That did under $100,000. Uh, top rank had to put Valdez and Mariaga on that because of HBO's uh, on pay-per-view, a $50 pay-per-view, because of that. And, and, and you know, you would have even Cotto Mayorga was 200000 Cotto and Jennings, and I forgot about this being on pay-per-view, but Cotto and Jennings, which was a fight to get back for him, did right around 100000 I believe Malinaji and him, if I remember, were on pay-per-view. No, maybe not, but Zab Judah and Cotto did 220. Um, you know, so you had even Barrera uh, did Barrera and Marquez did 225. Barrera against Rocky Juarez two did 165. Um, I mentioned some other Barrera fights, but you're right. Like you could put like Bradley and Marquez 
together, and that did 375,000. So you're like, okay, well, that was two guys that were more known. They were good B-sides. You put them together, and it made sense. But then you also had some really great fights like uh, Ward Kovalev 1 and 2. They did under 200,000. They probably should have been on normal HBO, but the budget started to fall apart. Uh, Golovkin Jacobs, not so much with uh, Golovkin Lemieux. I didn't. It was the unification, but I I kind of figured out Lemieux by that time, so I didn't really think that would be a, a really competitive fight. But Golovkin and Jacobs was a very competitive fight that did under two hundred thousand, and you could kind of see the writing on the wall. But and that's why we're kind of documenting this right now because just listing a, more of what we talked about, you could do a, a, a profitable pay per view like Tarver and Roy Jones Jr. For three hundred thousand, but then they go over the top, and like I mentioned, they they put him in, or like him and James Tony that did three hundred thousand, but then they put him in with, you know, guys that like Eric Harding. Of course, that what that wasn't going to do big numbers, and it did one hundred twenty five thousand. You know, it's Vitaly Klitschko and Jamil McCline did one hundred thirty thousand. Vitaly uh, Klitschko and Danny Williams, John, did under a hundred thousand. Even down, like, all the way at the end of his career, Tyson McBride did 250000 Um Hasim Rockman, that was another one. Monty Barrett, right around fifty to 75000 um, Ray Mercer and Tony Morrison did around 200000 Shannon Briggs, Ray Mercer, two, about 30000 it did, something like that. And Rock, uh, Hasim has a variety of ones that you're like, Oh, that's right. That was on pay-per-view, and nobody nobody even paid attention to it when you look at the numbers. Uh, um, Maskeov uh, Part Two that did about seventy thousand on pay-per-view. You know what I mean? So it, it, it's it, we documenting got for that one. I actually, I actually got that one, so I remember that. <laughs> yep, yep. And some of these, I'm for like, some oh, reason that's I got right. that. One. I did get that one. You know, I'm looking yeah, back that like, that's right. I forgot that was that's on That's right. I did get that one. Yeah. And I and do so, remember it did uh, like 70000 So this is nothing new, but but let's not try to spin it now. You know, oh, it romanticized the past. You know, I see that on Friday Night Fights a lot, you know, down the, the stretch oh, yeah, of the last good. five to ten years. You know what I mean? It's like, call them the fuck down. Yeah, they were, First of all, they it was on ESPN too, not a ESPN. You know, it, 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 come on, let's just call it down. You know what I mean? Fights and the so, fights were terrible. I, That's why I don't talk about that that much because they were just bad. They didn't really do anything for boxing. And that's where they're like, oh, basically, like you would never see a, a fight that would do under two hundred thousand. It's like I've seen that, I've heard it, I've seen it. And I've seen comments, uh, you know, when someone will say something about a pay-per-view nowadays, which they're right to complain about it and criticize it. But people on the, on the comments on Twitter will be like, oh, you know, Bob Aaron would never do that or HBO would never do that. You know, and it's like – and then the, the writer will retweet it or like it and be like, dude, that's just bullshit. You know, I just listed right. off so many damn fights. And most of those fights I listed had a name involved had at least an A-side involved, but they just weren't on that level. And this is before you had all these social media. Uh, you had a black box, but it, it's so much easier to get a good stream on a variety of platforms now that you can just hit a link and you're there. I knew some people with a black box, but it's not like every single person had a black box. You 
know what I mean? To, so you can no. steal the, the fights and stuff like that. My uncle had one for a while. My, my dad's buddy had one for a while. One of my friends, his dad had one, you know, that type of thing. A girl I dated, I remember. Uh, in fact, I think we watched that Roy Jones Jr. fight that, that way. Uh, now that I think about it, I think two of them like that. Um, because, and I remember his, her dad saying, I'm not going to pay for this shit, you know, blah, 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 you know, that type of thing. And, and, and I like Roy Jones so much. I'm like, Hey, I want to watch him. You know what I mean? Um, so right. it, 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 we're documenting it, but let's not get carried away with the past. We, we know boxing was more popular. We know a variety of stuff, but yeah, the bottom line is something's got to give. And I, you know, when we talk about this segment, because it's so relevant right now, I kept getting messages every week, whether they're saying, yeah, dude, in fact, I remember this pay-per-view, or it was the opposite, kind of saying what I'm saying, the negative, or not the negative comments, but these people that are in la-la land uh, and love to romanticize the past. Um, you know, it, it's, like you said, something's got to give. We can't do 10 to 12. And I forgot that uh, Canelo did say he's not fighting December, because you're right, that would have been, so that would have been seven in, in, in four months. I totally spaced that. And, and that's after in April getting hit with four in a matter of seven weeks. Mid, you know, in three and four weeks we got. April, we got three out of four weeks ending with uh, Canelo and Bivol. And then three weeks later, we got Roley in, in, in tank. So, you know, uh, like we keep saying, something's got to give on this one, man. Anything else? I know that I'm kind of long-winded here, but um, any, any no, other no problem, items you'd like to talk about that? I, I agree. I would just say I agree that the past was not good with pay-per-views, but the, the era where it, it got gradually worse was around 1991 to around 2015, like that. It just yep. kept getting worse and worse. So the greed, actually, the short I'm money took greed. over. Right. I'm looking at the recent past, like, we actually were in an era that was slightly better, like the 2015 to maybe we should make that than just pre-COVID, like you said, COVID affected things. So maybe yeah, for those five yep. years or so, like, like we, we need to mm-hmm. go back to some recent history, like 2015 to 2020, and let's not get greedy and short-term, like you said, overly, and just you know go, go back to the train wreck that it was around 2015. Because even, you know, even some Mayweather and Pacquiao fights, I mean, Mayweather-Guerrero, did we really think Guerrero was going to win that? Did we, did we think Brandon Reels was going to beat Pacquiao? Uh, no, nah, nah, I don't think so. Or Chris Algieri, love him. Exactly. You know, but that, you know, we get why those were on pay-per-view. It's easier to sell to people. And, and quite frankly, Mayweather's more popular. So you're going to be able to get some people over to watch it. Right, I mean that, that. Some of it is just that. Where you're like, well, it didn't feel like we were getting hit by fifty or seventy-five because I wasn't paying the bill. I was splitting it with people, or I'd have a little get together or whatever, and and so that plays into it too. And that's that's the reason why, even throughout that new Fox deal where they had four a year, that original that was the original number four a year, I was like, well, three out of four, I'm going to the theater. That's twenty-two bucks. Right. You know, I go to a theater with a friend or a couple friends, and that's, you know, I can watch three pay-per-views for the same price as one at home, you know? So it's like I was telling people that whole time, like, hey, and they're available 
people in a lot of parts, you know, a lot of times it's 100, 200 theaters and try to save money that way. And, and you're not you're not giving them the full 75, so you're not giving that full buy, and, but you're also saying, all right, I'll meet you halfway. If you do this, that's pretty cool. I, I like the, the 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 like the Canelo Triple G. I've watched all three um, in the in the movie theater now because I'm going to this one in the movie theater. So we'll work with you guys. You know, promoters, managers, we're willing to work with you, obviously, but you gotta. You know, you got to hook up the undercards too. You got to hook up the undercards too if there is a mid mid one. And this is exactly that's why this weekend is a good example of man. If you could just get this one to a forty, that'd be so helpful. <laughs> yeah, it would be. And but you made a good point. I, I think that's why then some people they make a mistake when they say, "Well, who cares if other people like it and things like that?" And I think you make a point. Like, well, first of all with the pay-per-view thing when you've got to a point where nobody will watch it with you because boxing's faded in popularity so much, uh, then, then you really have to decide if you're just putting a $75 bill or whatever. <laughs> and I think the, right. the, the other thing I get there is if, if we don't care that other people like and care and watch boxing, then why do we go to social media and interact with all these people about boxing on social media and things. I mean, I think social media would be popular anyway, sure. but one of the reasons that that's popular in boxing is because so many boxing fans dropped off that you couldn't like yeah, go in your local outlet. area anymore. You need an outlet. You need an outlet. I got it. social media yep. big for it. I was like, well, I can't talk to anybody in my everyday life much about this mm-hmm. anymore because nobody cares about boxing anymore. But on social media, there's, there's people YouTube. like me out there. Yeah. Same with YouTube channels. There's about six to eight of them, and then all of a sudden people are like, I'm going to do one because I want, to, I want to communicate with these people. I can talk to these people. And it's so funny where social media and politics and everything is gone now, which is out of hand. But in the first chunk of years, let's say from 2009, 2010-ish to like a few years after that, boxing Twitter was actually a great place, uh, and same with YouTube, to, to sit there and go back and forth and debate like actually have a debate of who's going to win the fight and why you know and now it's just yeah. a bunch of I mean, you still have that but it's also just a bunch of bullshit too you know right but it is the, the point like we're making that you know you, you really you do care that other people care and watch boxing or you wouldn't be on social media um you know so it, it does point. matter how many people are watching and and, and uh, how many other people care. When people say, oh, I don't care if, if anybody else cares or watches it, it's, it's really not true, even if you think it is. So, so it, all, it, all, uh, it all matters. And, you know, this weekend will be another thing. It's, you know, the pay-per-view part. We don't know how many people will get it, but, you know, hopefully those two good fights on Fox uh, with, you know, Aleem fighting and Spencer fighting will, will at least get a decent number of eyeballs watching them. So, yeah, you know, that's that's kind of how it how it looks going into this weekend. There we have it. Well, I thanks uh, for staying longer and on a random Wednesday night. Um, you know, now that my other podcast has started up, you know, this weekend with college football, then next week with the Vikings, the NFL, um, it will be more like Tuesday and Wednesday instead of Monday nights. Um, unfortunately, just a heads up, and I'll obviously keep you posted. But I appreciate you. Uh, coming on john you uh, take it easy enjoy the fights 
No, no problem, Chris. You too. And before we get to the fights, make sure you watch the Pitt West Virginia game tomorrow night to get ready for your college football <laughs> podcast. Heck <laughs> yeah! There you the go. Return to the backyard. Yeah, the backyard, bro. The end, so. yeah. <laughs> okay. All right, Chris. Great talking with you. Have a good night. Yep. Have a good one. Okay. Thanks. Yep. All right. Um, and I'm getting a handful of messages saying, I bought that one. I bought this paper. I almost forgot about that fight. And like I said, it, it's it's short-term money. You know, you got to do what you got to do. And, and, I, and I don't, I'm not... Like, I do think some of this pay-per-view was because of the – some of these recent pay-per-views, I should say, is because of how much money was in the market, and it, and it guaranteed it. Like I said, the, the the head of HBO at that time when PBC came on, and they were paying better, um, HBO came out and said, hey, we'd be silly not to say that this isn't disrupting the, the market. Of course it is. And, you know, writers were willing to really – hit that home and because it was true. It was definitely true. And, you know, they, they just couldn't keep up with it. I mean, that's just factual if you look at the last three, four years. But, you know, I, I noticed that those same media members aren't willing to say that about Eddie Hearn in the zone. And if you look at the overpays, they're way three, five, sometimes ten times more um, than what they were doing. But what that did is just like Terrence Crawford. That raised his guarantee. It raised a lot of top guys' guarantees. Way up. Look at Tyson Fury and Wilder. We don't know their exact guarantees, but there damn sure wasn't as much of that before the zone came on. So it's like, you know what I mean? I, I think that should be reported, too. That, that's, why the, that's why the guarantees are higher. And if we thought that Al Heyman's guarantees were higher than what HBO was willing to give out, well, not thought. That's what it was. That was a factual statement. And, I, and I'm not saying, oh, Al Heyman's the worst for that. And I'm not saying Eddie's the worst for that. You know, I'm just, this is facts. You know what I mean? So, but I, I noticed it hasn't really been reported that way. The only time they reported about overpay is when Eddie finally stakes, you know, came out and said, well, they, they clearly didn't have the budget they had. Um, and so he was like, well, we're going to tighten up our budgets. And then they're reporting all right, he's doing the right thing. He's going to tighten up the budget. But once you have a contract and you've raised a guarantee for somebody, it's set in stone until that contract's done almost. Now, I guess you could say Canelo and Golovkin, you know, when, when it was a little different for Disdone during COVID because they didn't have a lot of other stuff besides boxing in the space. So it was much tougher. They didn't have any live stuff. It was tough to survive for them, and they got through it, you know, no doubt about it. But – um yeah, it, it just we gotta we gotta call a spade a spade. We can't just protect certain promoters or certain fighters or whatever. You know, you just gotta say it straight up, and that that's where we'll we'll see. You know, now DAZN's not putting out those mega bucks unless it is Canelo. You know, um, so we'll see if that can you know move forward. By the way, speaking of uh, a good fight, not on pay per view, Joe Joyce and Joseph Parker lands on ESPN Plus here in the States, which is a good, good thing. Um, since we last spoke, Lee Wood and Mauricio Lara, a very good uh, main event September 24th. So that now, Lee, so that's a really good fight. Mauricio Lara obviously upending some, you know, um, 
Josh Warrington, and even in the last fight with Warrington, it wasn't – there should be a trilogy there. But Mauricio Lara, that's a really good fight there. And I'm happy he got that one. And that also opens the door now for Leo Santa Cruz and Ray Vargas, which are great fights. Now, we don't have that officially announced, but we know that's what's going to happen. So I think that's pretty dope. You know, I think that's really dope. And, and I'm pretty sure um, Max Hughes and Gallahan are on that undercard of that Lara uh, fight. But um, let's see what else we got here. There's some news, and then we'll get out of here. Um, so, yeah, the winners, to keep the WBA belt, supposedly the winners of those two fights are going to meet each other. So it does sound like this is Jake Donovan uh, from a handful of days ago. Parker, Andre and Parker, interim super middleweight title fight approved and ordered by the WBO. We know he he dropped his WBO 160, so they approved this one. And there are in talks to secure that fight. Inoue and Paul Butler on the surface is not a great fight, but resume-wise, it is for undisputed. So you can see where Paul Butler is actually ranked at top, you know, in the top ten. So it's not necessarily. I mean, Inoue is going to blow him out, but it is an undisputed. So you got to at least mention that. That's in Japan, December thirteenth. Um. And we'll see where he goes from there. Uh, Josh Taylor did relinquish his IBF title, which leaves Jeremiah Ponce and Sabril Matias for the vacant title ordered. And that's a perfect example of, you know, this might be a fun fight to watch. I mean, most of Matias' fights are fun to watch. But we know how we give credit to the IBF for, for you know, saying, hey, you have a Mando, you're going to have to do the Mando. And I give them credit for that. I don't give them a ton of credit because they got their, you know, offices raided by the FBI. That's the only reason why they're on their P's and Q's, you know, 20 years ago or whatever, a little bit longer than that. Um, you know, they got in trouble. That's why the IBF is more on their shit. But look at, look at what they're calling, you know, like it, Matias, Matias is up there, but where do you put – you know, where do you put uh, Ponce? I mean, should those two be for the title? No, it's a good fight. And, and uh, it sounds like it's going to be on the potentially be on the Wilder Hellenius undercard. So that's another good fight on that card. But it is kind of funny how that, you know, that kind of goes into that. So, um, but, you know, it is what it is. It just kind of give you an example of, hey, don't get too happy about the IBF because that was their mandatory. Yeah, they called it, but is that is that a must mandatory for a for a fight? I like the fight. I could give a shit about the belt. I like the fight, but like I said, Supreme Matias puts on good fights, and he put he caused a lot of damage in the ring, and so it's a good fight. But is it worthy of a, a belt to be stripped? Probably not, right? Just off the ranking. And then I'm not talking about the IBF rankings, but that just goes to show you that's that's one of the main issues is the rankings of the sanctions themselves. Speaking of, Tyson Fury was granted another week to extend to see uh, if he's going to keep his WBC belt. Um, if you're into the series that I got going on zone, that KSI stuff, the uh, X series, I think they're calling it, 
uh, DeZone has Hasim Rahman in Vidor, Vidor Belfort, uh, October 15th. That's that uh, Sutherland Misfits boxing. So if that's your, your cup of tea, go for it. This is some quotes from KSI, which is crazy. But these guys think they can mess with me. But once they feel the power, it's dangerous, bro. I'm moving like Deontay Wilder in these streets, man. It's scary. Nobody wants it. It's like, come on, dude. You're not moving like that. Um, Tyson, this is from Mark Kriegel. Tyson Fury, Alexander Usyk is highly unlikely for December. Instead, it's going to be either February 11th or February 18th in the Middle East, Saudi Arabia or uh, Qatar, something like that. Something in the Middle East, that's where it sounds like they're um, honing in on. So that could be interesting. I did see a report of Bivol, or the, the Ramirez Bivol. Zerto Ramirez, there was a report that he got arrested in Mazatlan, Mexico, for throwing cans of beers at tourists off the balcony. <laughs> Clearly, he had enough money to get off on the charge, if that's true, if that's true, um, because he was just in, he was just at that presser, so. But, yeah, that'll be kind of interesting. It's around Super Bowl weekend with that Fury Usyk. Now, it's in, you know, in the Middle East, but. That's either an interesting thing for the U.S. or not, because obviously the Super Bowl, it's one thing to promote around it in the NFL playoffs and all that, but the attention could definitely get swallowed up by the Super Bowl because it's not like – I don't think ABC has the Super Bowl this year, so so we'll see how that goes. It'll be kind of interesting, but I mentioned it earlier. Paul and Anderson Silva – Likely to be announced this week or or next week or something. This is a quote from Alexander Usyk. I think we talked about – we didn't talk about the quote, but we talked about how he's basically like, it's Fury or I'm done. Uh, he says, I need to become an undisputed heavyweight champion. As soon as I become, I will turn back and say, guys, thank you very much for your participation. Thanks, everyone. I will thank the Lord, and I will go to the ground I will go to the ground and say farewell. I will go home. So he's basically like, I'm pretty much done, which that's cool. By the way, Haney and Cambosis rematch October 15th is official. I believe it's on ESPN. Floyd Schofield uh, inks a co-promotional deal with Golden Boy Promotions. He's an 11-0 uh, uh, prospect. So he's already with Davies Entertainment. So that's a nice signing from uh, from Golden Boy, that's for sure. You know, Canelo recently said again that he's not going to fight Mexicans. They said, hey, if Gilbert Ramirez beats Dimitri Bivol, will that be a fight that you want? He said he doesn't want to fight Mexicans. Now, does he mean, like, does he mean Mexican-Americans like Benavides or just Mexicans from actual Mexico, like born and raised there? I'm wondering about that. Because that's what it sounds like. At least that's how it has been in the past. But, you know, that's his – he's fought so many fighters. If he doesn't want to fight Mexicans, that's, it is what it is. But it, something he said about the Usyk fight, he said uh, he's still open for a catchweight fight with Usyk. It's difficult, but I don't care. That's the stuff I like. I, he ain't going to fight Usyk. <laughs> I love me some Canelo, but come on. 
he's not going to fight. I mean, if Bivol beat him cleanly, what do you think is going to happen with Usyk? You know, now I suppose if he got Usyk to shrink up a lot or something, but I don't know. I know I know Canelo's caught some flack lately for the whole "I'm not going to fight another Mexican," but I don't think he means David Benavidez. Um, I don't think so. You know, I don't believe he meant that. Um, we got a little bit more fight news. Oh, this is from Jake Donovan yesterday. He said, right now the opening bet, uh, the, yeah, so Paul, Jake Paul is actually a minus 180. He's almost a two to one underdog against Silva. If that, it sounds like that fight is going to happen, but that's, uh, so he'll be a legitimate underdog. By the way, speaking of that Abu Dhabi card. Uh, Bivol and Ramirez, um, Jessica uh, McCaskill and Chantel Cameron are on that undercard. Um, we already talked about the one fight that is part of that. Uh, that's kind of interesting. That's kind of interesting. Um, so that that's going to be a good card, man. That's going to be a really good card. Uh, Emmanuel, this is from Jake Donovan uh, yesterday or today. Emmanuel Rodriguez and Gary and Antonio Russell will have the rematch because remember that fight ended in a quick uh, cut. I think it was a cut. And uh, that's going to be on the uh, Wilder Hellenius card. So I'm glad that they're doing that fight again. That, that, definitely, uh, that definitely needed to uh, happen again. Um, this is uh, Adam from SN Boxing. The fighters are over the Fighters are overpaid crowd is among the most tedious collection of people on boxing Twitter. They never let facts get in the way of any other argument either. Yeah, that is kind of funny. Oh, CP Freshmark got a win today, an easy win over Tanaka uh, earlier today. Uh, Tim Boxeo, shouts out to you. Um, we'll just close this down real quick. We don't have much time, so we'll just do a little boxing Twitter. GGG is going to send Canelo dancing with the stars after this fight. <laughs> Some people are actually thinking, huh, it's going to be a knockout the other way. Uh, this one, GGG would have stopped to beat GP Rock. I think that's ridiculous because he didn't fight, he didn't stop Jacobs. And Jake, you know, P Rock knocked out Jacobs. Not that that's the main thing, but it is kind of funny how that, that works that way. Um, Jace, oh, God, Josh Taylor would drop both Charlos in a fight. So he would go up to 154, drop Charlo and beat him, and then go up go up to 160 and drop him. That's pretty interesting. Anyway, oh, yeah, and also Victor Faust got an easy win over the Kingpin Johnson over the weekend. I forgot to mention that. All right, I'm going to get out of here. Oh, here we go. One more thing. There, this is Dan Raphael. Been rumors that Spence Crawford talks have dragged on. He's told, I'm told that's what Dan Raphael says, that it's Crawford not settling on a guarantee that has pushed the proposed date to December possibly. But sources involved said Wednesday it's basically November or bust because of the schedule and the available dates. Now, Terrence Crawford said, after that, he, he tweeted, motherfuckers just be talking just to be talking and have no idea what they're talking about. 
just want to feel uh, feel important. So, you know, we'll see what, what happens there. Um, I'm not going to comment on anything to do with the negotiations. Enjoy the fights this weekend. Peace out.